Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Episode of Chatty Broads with Becca and Jess. Hey, Broads! Hi, Broads! <laughs> Guess what? I've had a lot of day quilt. Are you sick? I didn't even know. No. <laughs> just, You're like, no, that's just part of my daily routine. It's part of my life routine. <laughs> no, actually, also, don't come for me about having day quilt. I try not to, but. Wait, why is that a bad I don't know. Wait, what's going on? Why are, you, why are you taking deep um, Because I was around uh, many a cat earlier, oh. and um, I get really bad allergies. And for some reason, Dayquil is like kind of the only thing that will settle my my very 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 puffy eyes. Did you I think know. like a Claritin. Yeah, but it doesn't work for me. I don't. I know. I know. It doesn't make any sense. But here I am, and um, so if I say anything strange, it's the Dayquil. <laughs> Shut up. That's stop it. That's when I was went at a at a comedy act and this girl was blaming it on the Dayquil and I'm like Dayquil I know. I know. Listen, the Don't only even. the only excuse that you're Don't like even. I was saying crazy shit is like is if, if you were on a fucking Percocet yeah, or something then, after then, a couple then, glasses that's of wine. Fine. It's like I'm it's 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 uh it's 1 in the afternoon. I am um I I'm have three, already taken I'm, my Xanax and had a couple mimosas. I've I've had Nyquil and a few glasses of champagne. Life's a little weird. It's a little fuzzy. Yep. No, I'm just I'm blaming this already before. Okay, you know what I mean. Okay. So in what case are you I say this episode, in, in Jess? case I reveal my family's darkest secrets, oh. that I can, can just we'll, we'll edit around that, honey. Don't don't you no, worry. We don't thing. believe in editing. For some reason, here, my though. forehead is really itchy right now, and I Uh-oh. like try not to scratch it because it's just going to make it worse. So I'm oh, just no. like touching it, patting it with cold hands. I don't know why. We're really falling apart over here at the Broad <laughs> Studio. Like, what's going on? I don't happy, know. Happy Thursday. I do not know. I'm swollen by cats. You're itchy by pregnancy, maybe? <sighs> yeah, I actually get eczema all over my scalp and face when I get pregnant, which is so fun. Also, um, if you are watching this on YouTube, which if you're listening, the YouTube will come out 24 hours after props. Um, Becca, if you see her itch, please don't make any comments about it. Oh, you're talking about the one time somebody called me out for itching my inside of my people, arms because I have eczema. People have said before, they're like, why does she keep itching? I'm like, because well, I have eczema. eczema. Okay. Okay. So the Glad next, you don't have to deal with it so, so you don't know why episode, I'm itching. I'm going to put Becca in a, a giant cocoon filled with lotion. I mean, my forehead is really like on fire and I smothered it in cream this morning. It's just a pregnancy. I was talking to my, my midwife about it and she's like, well, you know seems like the cure to this problem is not being pregnant oh did she seriously say that yeah she was like was that is that full of shade no she was just like she was just like it seems like your eczema and acne problems are pregnancy related so like just seems like the cure to this is not being pregnant so you're gonna have to wait several months until you get you know true relief because it's what happened with ruth it came and went when i was pregnant anyway or itchy thing uh was that not what you're expecting her to say (laughs) 
Well, it just, like, it oh. sounded like very like shady. Like, well, maybe you shouldn't get pregnant, bitch. Well, I was like, that's what it her, sounded like. I was like, oh, geez, what a midwife. Her, no, I was like, well, I've seen my dermatologist and I've seen all this and I've done this and that. And she's like, well, it seems like the solution is to not be pregnant anymore. <laughs> so like five months from now, you're going to be good. I'm You'll sorry. You'll be fine. Kind of thing. So anyway, today we're not going to talk about itchiness and day quill. Yes. Today we thought that we would... Well, listen, when we're not during, when we're not doing bachelor season, sometimes we don't have as many people listening. We still have our hearty broad squad, but the numbers go up and then we tend to get some new listeners and some new listeners and also some OG broads um, have questions that we regular regularly get that we can't really answer. So we thought that we would kind of take a moment to talk about ourselves a little bit. Yeah, sort of give a, get to, uh, maybe a get to know us kind of episode. Yeah. We do have quite a variety of questions that we receive, but I do kind of want to keep it to like our backgrounds and personalities and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And hopefully stuff that I'm, we'll try to keep the stuff we haven't covered. You know, I don't want to just regurgitate stuff we've already talked about, although that probably will come up. But it uh, happens. Sometimes. It happens. It happens. So I kind of want to. I kind of want to just like start it out just asking you some stuff. Oh my god! Okay. I, I kind of want to talk about. First of all, I don't even think I know. Let's talk about family makeup. Like, okay, are you only child, first child? What's your family situation? I mean, I'm already knowing this. So I'm like, your parents got divorced. Like, what? So, so tell tell me your family structure. Sure. <clears throat> I was dropped on this earth as an egg. <laughs> I have no family. Oh. Yeah. You're so mysterious. Um, no, I am. Um, so I was an only child um, for many years. First of all, yeah. what date were you born and what year? October 13th, 1988. I'm an 88. The best day. I just would like to throw some shade at some jewelry companies who, when I want to get like a cute 1988 necklace, those like gold plated ones, mm-hmm. they don't have that far back. So fuck you guys. <laughs> Because they think like all the cute gold plated necklaces are going to be for all the young ninety seven yeah for all like the younger girls wow the cute like little TikTok girls little do they know. and I'm like well maybe I want one too but I'm apparently too old for that so I'll get you a custom one thank for your you birthday um yeah October thirteenth nineteen eighty eight and you might as well on that note what's you might as well say your sun moon and risings yeah well. That was a, actually a huge twist for me this past year. I found out that the person <laughs> was who put jarring. together my chart had my rising sign wrong. So for quite well, a while. Okay. But do you know that this depends on what type of chart you're using? And it depends on, so it's, it's not necessarily wrong. I learned this when I downloaded the, uh, the, the app, uh, time passages. Okay. Okay. So because there's different types of like astrology charts. So like whole sign for instance, versus other, I can't remember what the other ones are called, but your rising could shift depending on what kind of chart people are accessing. Okay. Okay. So, well, the chart that I currently been getting that I've been getting now is that I am a Libra sun. I am a Scorpio moon. Uh-oh. And I am a Gemini rising. Okay. What was the rising before? Leo. Oh. I don't really know what the difference is between those two, honestly. Well, I'm here now and I'm it's air and water, baby. Air and water. Um, but yeah, no, I was um my family, Orange County, born and raised, and um I was an only child for most of my life. Um, well, I shouldn't say that. I guess a chunk of it. But when I feel like the, the a, a good amount of your like early years, when you don't have a sibling, it almost feels like you were an only child for a long time. Because mm-hmm. 
When I was 13, my mother and father adopted my precious sister, Janae. Um, that was actually like a really cool um, story. My my mother used to babysit um, this one girl, and she ended up getting pregnant and years, years later contacted my mother. Wow. And she was young, and so she was like, I... Um, I'm looking for someone to take my child. And wow. so my parents decided to adopt my sister. And so we got her right from the hospital. And um, so, you know, wow. she's just been a part of my life since the day that she, or, uh, she's been part of um, our family since the day she was born. Is that jarring for you? The introduction of like a infant into your it was a life? Little, it was a little weird because um, I don't, I technically have one cousin who I've met like one time. Um, because there's some family drama uh-huh. on that side, but it's, that's, he's literally my only cousin. So there are no kids. So in you our don't family. really have a huge extended family. No, I have n- <laughs> no one. Okay. So it is literally like mom, dad, uncle, aunt, none of them had children and the grandparents and me. And so then when Janae was born, it was like, I was 13, but I felt like I was at, if I was, would have been maybe like 10, I think it would have been a little more jarring, but at 13, I was kind of starting to do my own thing with my friends a little like, bit. Whatever, so, mom and dad have a baby now. I was like, whatever. oh my God, mom and dad suck. Like <laughs> I'm so cool with my Mary Kate and Ashley hair and my braces. Everyone can suck it. Um, no, but it was, I felt like more of a second mom uh-huh. to her because I ended up babysitting her like uh-huh. half of the week. Yeah. Um, I was homeschooled at the time, so I was around I thought, a lot. See, I thought you said you did no babysitting. You took care of your infant sister. It's true, but that was the only babysitting I ever did, really. I think that's a pretty good experience. It was decent. It was decent. Um, she was a very easy baby. Um, but, yeah, so then... Um, you were homeschooled for when? I was homeschooled from... Oh, Lord. I was homeschooled from fourth grade through eighth grade. Why? Do you know? I requested it. Oh, you did. I did. Okay. I did. I was at a private school and I hated it. (laughs) I just, I don't know why I hated it. All of a sudden I remember one day in third grade being like, a lot of these kids are really mean. I'm kind of over this. I want to do my own thing. Was it a pretty small private school? It was a small private school. It was a lot of families who were pretty affluent. There was a lot of money. And already I remember being, again, being a kid, like kindergarten through third grade and there was already a lot of like the clicks were intense the pressure was intense and my family you know they did well but it wasn't anything compared to a lot of these other families Mm -hmm. and it just felt like I like I I I was stressed constantly I went yeah yeah. I I went into a private school in sixth grade I'm sorry I cut you off I was just gonna say that was um like my struggles in private school as well Oh, of like because of that. Really affluent. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even that my parent, I mean, I don't actually know my parents' financial situation compared to other kids, but something I noticed that is that a lot of the kids, whether or not their parents actually had money, it was very showy. Like the kind of yes. cars that the parents mm-hmm. would drive, the clothes that the kids were wearing, there was a lot of pressure for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I had parents- uniforms, so it was all just about the shoes. Oh, okay. Shoes and jewelry. Oh, no. But we I was all- like, I'm second in second grade. I don't have any jewelry. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. They have like acrylic nails. <laughs> They're like, For where do you get though. your lash extensions done, Kelly? Yeah, and I was just like, uh, I'm eight. Like, I had no, yeah. It so was, you requested it. You were just like, I'm not having fun. I was just over it. And then I had one of my girlfriends who I went to my little church with was homeschooled, but she had this like program where she was homeschooled, but got to like 
participate with kids two days a week. Yeah. And I was like, I want to do that. It's perfect amount for your, perfect. My, my inner reclusive self. Exactly. Exactly. So I was like, all right. And then I was with all those kids and that, that school was insane small. Right. Uh-huh. And, uh, that school was very, 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 very strict. Uh-huh. Um, and I was like, was it like a charter school or just like a homeschool co-op? It was like a homeschool co-op. Okay. And uh, and I was the the crazy one there, uh-huh. so I was like the bad kid, and I was You're not- like I just came from private. School, <laughs> I came from private bitches. school, and I got a lot of shade from the parents, and it was very strange because I was always were, like, a really good kid, one. yeah. And it was so weird to go to walk all of a sudden into like this kind of like small religious setting where you were the sketchy kid, where I had been kind of made fun of at my private school for being like the lame goody nerdy two-shoes. goody two shoes kid. And I was like, I'm the bad one here. And I'm like, I don't know if I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of into it. It's like, no one else can do Pokemon. They all think that it's the devil's work. And I have my cards and my mom didn't care. She was like, we're not going to take our stuff away from our kids. She can still be who she's going to be. <laughs> she's Pokemon. No, they were like evolution. Yeah, it was real. It was very conservative, very conservative. Um, but I was there until eighth grade and that was interesting. Um, felt like when I went into high school, I was like, what is this world? Very thrown off. Um, but yeah. So, so then- did you choose it every year up until high school? Yeah, kind of. It was of. kind of something that happened. It You're like, this is what happened. we're doing. So it kind of just, it, I was, uh, to be completely honest, I kind of hit a certain point where I was scared to go to back oh, to yeah. like regular school. Cause I was like, I feel so lame. You're like in a whole Amish gown. You're like, no, I literally like you weren't allowed to have your arms showing. Like it was very, very, very conservative. Your arms showing? I couldn't show my arms. Like, like you it, wear I had to have like three quarter length. I couldn't wear a short sleeve. I couldn't wear a tank. You had to have your legs covered. Like you couldn't wear like knee length shorts? Mm-mm. Whoa. No. Oh, no. I, I wasn't on that no, level. No, 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 no. It was conservative. If I ever wanted to answer a question, I would have to stand up. If not, you would get docked when you address a they teacher. Hit you, Jeff. Are you okay? <laughs> Send help. <laughs> okay. It was like, I mean, it was, it was borderline. It was one of those weird things where, and it really did mess with me because, because it was like, um, co-op style, which I think is really cool when yeah. done correctly. I think it's amazing. But this specific co-op style, because it was very, very, very conservative. I had other adults speaking into my life constantly in an inappropriate level. Like you are not my parent. You're also not my teacher. You should not be telling me what I can and cannot like wear or what I'm wearing is inappropriate. Like I'd get a lot of that, you know what I mean? And it was a lot of, um, uh, authority, quote unquote, authority figures, opinions coming in and like telling me how to live and what not to do and what to do. It's also like, really another level because i know you know in private school and even in public school we had like the tank top two finger rule and like little things like that just sort of the standard dress code this was next level that is Uh uh-huh no that's the thing when i like when i tell people like no i was i grew up like i was raised in a really conservative environment like it was very conservative which is why i think how did your mom feel about that um my mom is interesting because she was a little wild child but then she became a christian and she got way more conservative and in that environment, it was almost like she she wouldn't ever put any of that pressure on me, but it 
would she be sort put of, on me organically. And because, she sort of had to go along with like the other moms. And she just went along with it. Yeah. So she was always kind of the wild mom. Yeah. But she also, I think, found a little bit of a place there. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. she was like, she's very good with literature and history. So she was able to like use her skills and she hadn't had a job before. So here she was, you know, and, and so I think she felt seen there. I don't know what, um, I was wondering if yeah. your mom's experience was similar. I know my mom's experience when I was both in public and private school, she didn't really fit in with a lot of the moms mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. environment. I what years if were mom, you, were you homeschooled? Uh, I'll get into that, but K through fifth and then um, freshman and sophomore year. Okay. And my mom always got along with the homeschool moms a lot better than like any of my private school friends, public school friends. And I think, yeah. Yeah. So I think that there's a, it's kind of like the Island of Misfit Toys kind of thing. It's sort of how it is sometimes with the homeschool co-ops and like. You can really, and I think my mom found a few people there that she really connected with. Now, granted, the people that my mom connected with, I loved. Yeah. And they're still people who are like involved in my life today and I adore them and they're wonderful. Um, But there was a lot. This chorus of voices that was. A chorus of voices. I remember, I remember being, um, being in eighth grade and thinking that I became a Christian even though I had thought I was a Christian before, but then I like was like, maybe I'm not. And I prayed the prayer again and I felt like it was different. And so I had all of a sudden this passion that I was like, we had chapel every Friday and I used to sing for chapel. And so I'm like, I'm like, I want to go up in front of all the kids. And it was kindergarten through eighth grade. And a lot of the parents would show up for chapel too. I was like, I want to go up in front of all the kids and I want to be vulnerable and say, Hey, I have been saying that I was a Christian and I thought I was a Christian this whole time, but I wasn't. I have to be honest with you and I've changed and I want you to know that it's okay if you feel like that too. And if you want to be honest and I wanted vulnerability out of everybody. Right. But I was like, I have to be vulnerable first. So I went up on stage and the sweet guy who led worship, like encouraged me to do it. He was wonderful. He's like, you should do it. And I did it. And I felt so good afterwards. And I came off the stage and I had immediately like three or four parents pull me aside and like lay into me and be like, how dare you go up there and like make our kids who are younger question their faith because, yeah, it was, it was like, whoa. uh So then Jess just shut down. And it was like, all right, whatever anyone says, I'll just do. And then that really fed into a lot of like. Did your mom know pleasing. about that? that was she on? did, and my mom was pissed about yeah. that. She went off. Yeah, Sylvia was not having it. Yeah, um, it's traumatizing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was, but that was very much kind of a, that was a a, a catalyst for a lot of the way that I lived my life for many years afterwards, where I was very afraid to like be um, completely vulnerable. And I just kind of let people direct me in my life. Oh, wow. You know, you feel like that was a big, uh, what would you call it? It was a big turning point for me. Yeah. Yeah, It was a really big turning point for me. Yeah. Cause you're just kind of like, well, uh, you're at, I mean, eighth grade. It's a very like oh weird my God. age. I'm so sorry because <laughs> no, it's so it's vulnerable. And no, then it was, and, it was, it was, and, and your it. intention is like, I want to share this with people. And mm-hmm. then when you're just shot down and not only that, your intentions are questioned mm-hmm. and told that you were trying to like lead other people astray. How upsetting. Mm-hmm. I was the devil. Oh but- my God, I would be devastated. <laughs> but you Especially because I know how it is to be on stage with the chapel and the singing. Uh-huh. I mean, that... It was oh, a terrible. lot. It was a lot, but it was, you know, and, and ultimately you look back at stuff and you're like, oh, I'm so grateful because I needed it in my life because it developed muscle 
that I didn't have before, but it just took a long time for me to get back to a point where I was then able to be like, no, this is who I am. That's it. Whatever yeah. you can like, you can leave me, you can love me or hate me, you know, whatever. doesn't matter. Um, but yeah. So then had that high school, met my husband in high school. That was fun. And, uh, had my little sister again my my sister and I had a 13 year age difference so um her and I have gotten really close now as I'm older um but when she was you know when I was in high school she was like a couple years old yeah she's just a little munchkin um but then my parents I went to college and then my parents um got divorced when I was 21 which was weird it's a very weird thing. I think anybody who divorce is always so hard when you're a kid, but, um, it's just a different, it's a different type of hard. Like I watched my little sister go through divorce and she was, I think like eight, eight or nine at the time. And it was so difficult for her. And she was just crying and having to go back and forth between mom and dad's house was so hard. And as a 21 year old, you're a little bit like, it's very much like this. What am I supposed to do with this? Like, you're at a different stage of awareness and you have your own life. You feel like you have to take someone's side a little bit. Like, mm. who am I going to support in this? And that was a mistake that I made for a while as I took a side and I wish... Is that also just due to, like, the scenarios yeah, or, it was due uh, to the scenario. surrounding the mm-hmm, divorce? Mm-hmm. So then you, you pick a side and, you you know, and now, like, family... I think I'll, I'll say this for the first time in a really, really, really long time. I, like, my specific side of the family, I feel great. It's Good. like... I love my stepmom. My dad's amazing. I love my mom, my sister. Like it's good, but it was it was a very very long journey of like, mm-mm, sketchy biz. Okay, I have more questions, but okay, let's take a let's take a quick pause. Um, okay, so we're talking about you know my parents, us <laughs> becoming parents, but you know what? There's not just parents of kids. We can talk about being parents of cats. That's oh my, my god. <laughs> Being a cat parent can be really rewarding, but it can also be messy and stinky and sneezy if you are using conventional store-bought litter. Well, hey, if you are a cat parent, what are you doing? Because the future of litter is here. It's pretty litter. Pretty litter is really cool. As a as a cat parent, mm-hmm. I can say that. It's kitty litter reinvented because unlike traditional litter, pretty litter's super light crystals trap odor and release moisture, resulting in dry, low-maintenance litter that doesn't smell at all. We use it in our house and love it. And pretty litter also spares my sanity and storage space because it's shipped in a small, lightweight bag that lasts an entire month. There's no more bulky containers or frequent trips to the store i mean i just hate sometimes i would even get litter shipped but it comes in a giant box and it's (laughs) spilling out of the box already there's little crumbles of litter that are coming out all over my front porch scattered around litter is just neat and it does really last quite a long time and pretty litter is virtually dust free like you're saying those little particles because it's manufactured with a specialized uh de-dusting process hey this saved my dad and sister's life seriously they were so allergic to the family's uh cat litter it was a nightmare but now with pretty litter everyone is happy and not sneezing their lives away but speaking of saving lives i know seriously speaking of saving lives this is why pretty litter is a pet parents hero it's a health indicator pretty litter monitors cats health 
health by changing colors when it detects potential underlying disease, you will not find this kind of innovation in conventional cat litter. No, and as a cat parent that had dealt with a kidney infection yeah. with our with our dear departed cat, this is actually something that's so important. So if you own a cat, you have to try Pretty Litter. Make the switch like I did today. You just go to prettylitter.com and use promo code chatty for 20% off your first order. That's prettylitter.com, promo code chatty. Okay, so I personally may not live with a cat currently, but I do live with a husband, and I do know what uh, was super stressful about making him my husband, and that was planning the wedding. I can't imagine. Oh my God. And I'm not alone. In a recent survey, 96% of couples think that planning their wedding was stressful and 86% suffered stress-induced symptoms like insomnia, breakouts, and lower sex drive. Broads, I felt these things and I so wish when I was planning my wedding years ago that I would have had Zola. Zola makes wedding planning easier and less stressful with wedding websites, registry. I love the wedding websites. Whenever somebody has one, it makes life so much easier. So much easier. Registry, invites, and a guest manager all in one place and zola has free wedding website designs with hundreds of gorgeous designs for every style they make it easy to create your site in minutes with features like an online rsvp page yes. so people actually rsvp yes. <laughs> um, a place where guests can shop your registry right on your site very convenient and zola actually has the highest rated registry of all time where you can register for gifts, experiences, honeymoon funds. Love it. Love the options. You can add gifts from other stores or sync existing registries too. Zola also has beautiful, affordable invites in paper. Fam, the invites are normally so expensive to deal with. And Zola makes it so affordable and easy. You can shop your whole paper suite there. And my most favorite feature, Zola will help you collect addresses and track online RSVPs with their free guest list manager. Dealing with RSVPs is a nightmare. And like Becca was saying, I know myself, sometimes I don't actually RSVP because I forget to send it back. <laughs> so having it online is amazing. And Zola is like that faithful friend who will do it for you and not hang it over your head afterwards. Zola has helped helped 1 million couples get married. Uh, it sounds like I will also be using it at some point in the Ooh. future, 15 years from now. <laughs> uh, they'll help you too. Go to Zola.com slash chatty today and use promo code save 50 to get 50% off your save the dates. You can also get a free personalized paper sample before you purchase. That's mm. 50% off save the dates at Zola, Z-O-L-A.com slash chatty promo code save 50. With a five zero, S A V E five zero. Want to make sure people get that code. Beautiful. Yes, Zola is everything. Uh, okay. So, can I ask about your background here? Oh wait, I have a quick question. Okay, yes. real quick. Okay, what, is, what were you involved in in high school? Oh, you mean like uh, my extracurricular? Uh, my extracurricular. Were you a good student? What were? What was your GPA? I was a good student. Yeah, of course you were. <laughs> um, you know. I got, your I got over a 4.0. Sh- oh, no. I you was, were taking the APs. I was obnoxious. I was obnoxious in in high school and in college. Did you, d- uh, I know people are going to want to know this too. Did you drink or do any kind of drugs in high school? I did not. Did you in college? I did. When you turned 21? I waited until I turned 20. No, actually, no, no, that's a lie. I started to drink about two months before I turned okay. 21. I was like, fuck this shit. <laughs> I was trying What's to be. The difference? I was trying to be so, like, I am a rule follower. I need to make sure that I am living correctly. And about like two months beforehand, I started to drink. Okay. And it was awesome. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, but never really the drug thing just because, um, of my anxiety, I was always like very anxious and had like depressive episodes ended up finding out that I was bipolar. We have an episode about that. Um, but yes, bipolar, what is it? Um, bipolar, a bipolar, bipolar con- disorder and the broads. Yes, I think so. Or bipolar disorder. I don't remember. <laughs> Google chatty broads, bipolar disorder. If you, it'll come up. It. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, so with the drug, the drugs, I was always a little nervous about and still am because of some of my mental things. Oh, I get it, it makes me a little, a little ske- sketchy. Whenever I start having anxiety, I, I convince myself that I've somehow been drugged and I started spiraling. Sure. So I totally Actually, get it. someone, someone sent us a question asking about, about weed for both of us. Cause they were like, we know that like, we think Becca enjoys weed sometimes. I think I went, worked on a weed farm. Of course <laughs> I smoke weed. Yeah. Smoke, have smoked weed. I'm, I'm going to try it again. I, we've got, okay. So after I give birth and stuff, we're totally, we gotta, we gotta have like a, like a YouTube video we'll do a YouTube where episode. I like make just smoke weed. It's yeah. legal in California. Woo! Um, I, yes, I have only had a few, um, experiences with marijuana and it made <laughs> me insane because I smoked Blunt? Did you say it was blunt? Well, I, I, I know it nothing. Was of it, it a joint or was it a blunt? Was it was it a joint. Okay. I smoked it like a cigarette. Oh yeah, you're just the whole away. thing. You don't want to do that. I did the, the whole time. thing, and apparently it was very like a, it's like medical grade high, and I lost stuff my is mind. strong these days. Yeah, no, that's. I was like, is it normal to be seeing things? <laughs> I was yeah. having like full yeah. So uh, that didn't help with my anxiety. And I haven't. No, and then you start being like, "Am I? Is my heart rate irregular? I'm not breathing. I'm not fully breathing." No, (laughs) I I I thought I was going to have to go to the hospital, and then I was like, "Oh my god, I'm going to get taken to the hospital. They're going to arrest me." Like, yeah, it was the whole thing. So I'm ready now to try it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll we'll we'll help curate like a responsible experience. Absolute mental breakdown. (laughs) No, I think that the thing is, is I, I mean. I would smoke a lot of weed when I was in high school to the point of like, you're trying to trip and smoke as much as you can to get as high as you can. But when you're an adult, you want to smoke weed. Like you're having a glass of wine. You just mm-hmm. do a little bit of this here. You just, you got to curate the experience slowly. Just a little, get, get a little THC vape, take a little puff. You can take the edge off. We don't need it. We don't need to be shooting off to another planet. See, that sounds nice to me. I'm not into shooting off Take the to edge off planet. your anxiety. You got to also make sure what strain you're smoking. Yes. All these things, which I did not know anything about. But no, I was, <clears throat> I was in high school. I mean. Oh yeah. Tell us about your extracurriculars. That's I, think, what I, I don't know if I would have liked me in high school, to be honest. Really? I've, I've always, I'm, I'm nice. I was always very nice and I was always like kind to other people. I'm nice. I'm so <laughs> fucking nice. It's crazy. People are like, well, we just listened to you guys' recap on Tuesday and I have <laughs> you to. You don't sound nice, bitch. <laughs> no, you are very nice. But I'm a ni- I've, I've never been like a mean person yeah. and I, I love people and I like making friends and all that. So I had friends, but I was definitely like, um, yeah, it was a goody two shoes. I guess that's the best way to put it. What was, were your extracurricular activities? Do you play sports? Um, oh, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> no sports, all theater. Oh, all yeah. theater and music. What was your best role that you played? Um, well, my favorite role was I did, uh, I was the Cheshire Cat in Alice in Wonderland. And in the version of it, the cool. Cheshire Cat um, is the narrator and is cool. like kind of sexy and dark and like comes in and like oh, does oh, weird. Jess, I can and totally I, see and I lived for it. That's great. Um, I also liked, um, 
gosh, we did a lot. I, I, one of my favorite like moves that I made was I was cast as Maria in the sound of music. Oh, and nice. I said, absolutely not. I must play the Baroness. Oh yeah. Cause I like to be the villain. Oh yeah. And I think it's because I was so not that way in real life, but I felt that in my Scorpio moon that I felt like a villain deep inside sometimes and Girl. I needed to get it out. Girl, I don't know about the Scorpio moon, but I, my first role and my favorite role was when I was 10 and I played Cruella DeVille in the community <gasps> production of 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> and when I say it was my dream role, Glenn Close had nothing on me. <laughs> 10 year old Becca. There's a song. There were literally like, 101 children cast. No, but the crazy thing was it was a community production. So it was like actually in like the city yeah. hall theater. And we had like real makeup art. I had my actually my own dressing room, oh like my with my name on the door. And I like God. had little photos up in there that I had decorated. <laughs> they had a, they, I did a photo shoot that was in the newspaper. Like, oh, oh my girl, God. That, when I'm telling you it was, you, like it was a, a community production. production. Yeah. And I, <laughs> there was one part where I was like in the audience and I was like, my beautiful coat and i had this whole song it was there's a dvd of it somewhere it was actually insane and you would be so proud of me because i'm sure it was your dream role too i mean oh, it is your are you dream kidding role. me corella that is that's everything to me wow oh my we have to find we have to dig up some of these videos because i'm sure they would be very fun to post you're also the perfect baroness i mean i loved being i loved being on. the baroness um i was very uncomfortable um uh, in one role, what was what was it? I forget. There was one role I where I was the, the lead, and then the guy that was cast opposite me. It was in a community play, and I was eighteen, and he was like forty five. Oh no, no, and no, we no, had no. to like kiss. And I remember being so you uncomfortable. Forty three, going on forty four. <laughs> something like that. And I was just like. Novel. I was so wigged out. Oh no, that's gross. Um, but nightmare. yeah, no, I had no. There was no. Because the dream is always that you get cast alongside that someone you think is really of hot, course. and you get to mac on stage. Of course, that yeah, was the best theater romance. That was the best. Um, I did have a stalker at that point in my life. Who <laughs> 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 would go and watch me in the theater, and he'd be up on the wing like the Phantom, and it was very creepy. Are you okay? Yeah, no, I'm fine now. Was he actually stalking you? Um, he, I mean, kind of. <laughs> yes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so when I was a freshman in high school, there was this guy, and he um, was a senior, except he looked like he was in his later 40s. Um, <laughs> oh, no, one of those. Yeah. You're like, yeah, how yeah. many times have you failed the junior year? No, it was literally like, one of those things where you were like, oh, and then I remember he was so like hairy. I was he's like, like, he's, he's a the man. He's the only was, senior who's old enough to rent a car. Yeah, it's I don't so know what weird. it is, but like he owns real estate. I'm confused, but yet here he is. Um, and for some reason, but he would never speak to me and he wouldn't talk to anybody. Um, and he always had his sunglasses on, so I like never knew what his eyes looked like. And he, when I was a freshman, he, his friend, used to like harass me and like call me like by weird nicknames but he would never talk to me and they would like harass me on and he was just like and he'd stand in the back and act embarrassed but then during like breaks he would slip uh uh mixed cds and um love notes into my locker like once a week and it was very creepy and then he asked and you were a freshman mm -hmm. that's scary it's very scary <laughs> and then he asked and then he asked the <laughs> <laughs> the 
So the dark part was is that the mix CDs, he only listened to German death metal. <laughs> so I turned them on and they'd be like, Franz Heimat. Remember that I song? I was, like, was like, Do, Du hast. Yeah, du yeah, hast yeah. me. I'm yeah. sure he put that on there. He had Rammstein, Skinny Puppy. He did all these really creepy things. So I'd like put them in and I'd be like, Ugh, and I tried to like understand. I'm like, is he going to kill me? And um, <laughs> what's the message? <laughs> you're just, doing it you're, you're like trying to combine all the letters of the track titles to try to see if they're. <laughs> Mixing them around. The Freshman Jessica killer. had strings, like yeah, going through. I was like, all right, my cl- my closet was just like all him. Um, but then he asked me. Um, I remembered a homecoming my freshman year through the drama teacher because he like was friends with the drama teacher. And so she was like, you should go with him. He asked me and she like delivered the flower. And I was like, no, 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 no. I don't feel comfortable. And she kept like bugging it. So did you go? No, I never. Oh, oh, thank God. God. No, no, no. But then what started to happen was every production, he, because he knew the, the drama teacher, he would sit up above in the wings where the, the person would be doing the lights. And so I could see him when I would do the play, like in the corner, and he would s- send love notes down to my dressing room. I'm horrified. How did you shake this guy? Did um, he graduate and leave? He graduated, um, but he continued to um, find any sort of aim scream name no matter like how many times I block him to come and like start messaging me and he did it all the way actually through my sophomore year in college what was your aim screen name <laughs> just to just a side note question anything genuine xx what does that mean why because <laughs> so genuine and real xx1988 <laughs> <laughs> there was a song from this band called Small Town Poets, which was like this oh, Christian I, band. Yeah, I know. Small and the Town song Poets. was like, I'll take anything, anything genuine. And, and for some reason, I had sexual feelings about this song. I don't know what it was, but the song like turned me on. Jessica, uh-huh. I need to tell something real quick that has nothing to do with that, but you're talking about the song being sexual. I watched George of the Jungle for the first time in probably 15 years the other day. Do you have sexual feelings towards Brendan Fraser? In that movie, like, I realized that this was incredibly (laughs) formative in my early years. Like, the scene where he's oiled up naked with a bowl over his (laughs) junk? (laughs) Have you seen this movie or something? I haven't seen it in literally 15 years, probably. Brendan Fraser in that movie is so fucking hot. Oh, my God. And everything made sense when (sighs) I started. I got to show you a picture real quick. Hold on. I'm overheating. <laughs> Brendan Fraser. Dude, there's a part where he's like, because he's got like kind of junk. long scraggly hair. And there's this one part where he's like with the horses out in the corral and it's like oh slow motion. And he's so hot. Okay, wait, let's see. Well, this scene, I found a, I found a uh, gif of it. Oh my and God. And he's like really, I mean, yeah, this is what he looks like when he has the bowl over his penis. Oh, yeah, that's... He's so, yeah, like, he's hunky, so hunky, and it's <laughs> so crazy. And I was like, oh, this has dictated my sexual preference with men like, throughout <laughs> literally the rest of... Like, from the yeah, hair he does have to, like, like, a great thing with the, the, the long shaggy hair, hair the, the sort of, like, nature guy kind of thing. <laughs> he dictated <laughs> Kind of <it> illiterate. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, you <laughs> doesn't really know I'm how to speak. You, I'm sure actually Ember would love it because that's the age I started watching. Oh, it I'm at. sure she would love. It's on Jordan Netflix. I think you guys should really play it, and I need you to dive in as an adult and watch it. Oh God, I. It's not, pretty great. The stepmother, the stepmother is the role that, or the the mother is the role that you need to play. There's this part where she threatens to nail his tongue. She's like, I'd rather have my tongue nailed to the table every morning than have you marry my daughter. Oh, that's it. So good. That's it. Anyway, that's all okay, I want. Sorry. Sorry to digress about that. Um, but yeah. Anything he, genuine XX. Anything genuine It's actually XX. better than mine, which is Beck Cheer Girl 47. It's cute, though. Embarrassing. <laughs> well, mine was like emo. Yeah. It was very emo. I was very emo, quietly emo kid. But that... that it kind of goes in line with me needing to present myself a certain way and feeling a different way. I always felt very like a very emo kid and I was very emotional, but I would hide it because I was like, oh, people don't like that. So I was like blonde and happy. And Were you like whatever. in leadership? Yes. Yeah, me too. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So uh, high school, I like led the worship team at our church, our high school worship team. There was like a group of this like- Was a private school? Did you go back to or public school? No, sorry, church. So then at oh, church, oh, oh. we we like had a worship team that was like five or six of us kids that actually then the high school hired us to start coming and playing. So we felt cool. very cool because cool. we were like, wow, they heard us and they thought we were awesome. Yeah. And Evan and I were on that together. Sexy. Romance. Um, and then uh, we used to hook up in his van where he used to put all of his drums in his van. A like, van? What kind of drive. van did he have? He had like an Astro van that was carpeted everywhere and had a Sexy. bed in the back. Oh, so actually hot. really hot. If yeah, I really was hot. yeah dating mm-hmm. someone in high school with an Astro van. With and it had one back, of those I'd little like, TVs. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Top notch. Pound, one ticket to pound <laughs> town, to please. In that Astro van with a little ladder hanging off the back. Mm, yes. Um... Yeah, and then I did leadership, and then I mean, after I after I graduated high school, I continued. I remained in leadership at church for quite some time. Oh no, I meant leadership at school. Did you guys not have leadership? Oh, at leadership at school. Um, I didn't do. I did. Were you one in public year. school? No, I was private. Okay. Mm-hmm. What was like I, your class sizes? Small. Like like, like your graduating class was what like like one hundred and fifty okay. kids, really small. Um, I didn't really do a lot of leadership. I didn't like to like hang out with. I liked hanging out with my my worship team like okay. crew. Were you at very church. popular or no? I wasn't not popular, but I wasn't popular. Were you friends with a lot of people though? Were you like or not really? They were. It, I was very much like everyone was fine with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like no one had a problem with me. Um, but would everyone know? You're, like, would everyone know who? Well, I guess it's a small. School. It's a small okay. school, okay. so everyone knows. Who everyone knows. Know literally, I am. everyone's name. In yeah, but I definitely they had like the the girls who were on the cheerleading squad were the popular girls, and I definitely was not a cheerleading squad girl. Okay, I was very much like the my hair is dyed, and I have one like dark black streak in the front, but like I act like I'm not emo, but mm-hmm. inside I'm emo. You were like church emo. I totally was church emo. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. uh-huh. Church slutty, too. I'd go, yep, totally. And I went to, like, all the under oath shows. I would go to, like, all the Oh, my the God, that's hardcore. so funny, because my first high school boyfriend, he was obsessed with under oath. Oh. He had a giant, like, he had a 1987 Mercedes, and he had a giant under oath sticker on the back <laughs> window. You probably would have loved him. Oh, yeah. I, I would go to every under oath show. I'd get in the pit. I'd get punched in the face all the time, and I'd be like, oh, my God, I'm so hard. I have a black eye. Even though I would go home and cry because I'd be like, it hurts. <laughs> Powdering it out. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, that was kind of, I mean, and then I became myself over the years. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I was a very weird people. I feel like people who knew me in high school would be like, she's this, I'm the same person, but uh, like I act the same, but I'm just me. 
now. Yeah. I don't know. It was a weird transition from college. I loved college. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like you really shined in college from what I've heard. I loved college. I enjoyed college. I had so much fun. I digressed immensely in college. <laughs> Did you? Uh, kind of, actually. I'll get into that. But but college was not. Yeah. Col- yeah, college. I didn't. I hated high school. I felt very uncomfortable in high school. I didn't feel like myself. Um, and then I went to college and I was kind of like, like this i liked being independent i liked being yeah. on my own having my own space um and i liked choosing my classes and i liked that i could sit up front and people wouldn't make fun of me mm-hmm. because people were paying money to go to college and so people were taking it more seriously yeah that's real <laughs> um but i was involved in the same things at college like i was in high school but- theater music by the way, I'm sure a lot of people are going to have questions about our Christian journeys, and we do get into this very deep on our episode called God and the Broads and mm-hmm. a number of episodes following that. So again, I don't know the episode number offhand, but if you Google Chatty Broads, God and the Broads, or like Chatty we Broads get, Christianity, we get, deep, we get deep into the Christianity you piece. Can, you mm-hmm. can get a lot more info on that yeah. uh, part of each of our journeys. Yeah. But that, I, I mean, I, I loved college. I literally, college, I fantasize about going back. Do you? Uh huh. I honestly think sometimes that way about high school, which is kind of scary to admit. <laughs> no, I think it's. I think it's like wherever it's not you like felt, weird. Like no, it's yeah. good memories. Like if I would have really good memories about high school, I'd fantasize it's about spe- going back. To it, high school. I think it's just also a very specific time of your life that was formative in one way or another, and that's why you like look back on it. Exactly. You look back on it fondly. It's exactly. not like I would kill to go back to being sixteen again. Like <laughs> not really. I was in my prime. <laughs> I don't really like actually want to go back, but I'd love to like maybe on a for a Saturday take go relive some memories and then come back to where I yeah. am. Yeah, and know? I think a lot of my fantasies about it too are going back to college, be- being the comp like the more confident person I am today. Like I had so Thinking much what fun. You know in- now, right? Into I had those so much fun in college, but I was still like, and I was like, I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to drink until I'm 21, and I was so nervous about still like following rules, and I still cared a lot about what people thought about me. If I could go back now, live on campus, and just rule the school. <laughs> Oh have boy. a grand old time i know it would be fantastic um yeah then did well in college was that i graduated case? fast i wish i wouldn't have done that that was stupid what in like three and a half years or what three years shit that's what my sister did too you wild people do you- i was just like i want to be done because i know i'm gonna marry evan yeah and it's time I, to begin our real lives and i wish i wouldn't have done that because like it's don't that, take your time was that a difficult transition in like out of college into like the quote real world yeah it actually was really hard because there was like um like job regression was intense and Mm. so finding a job in like the few years there was like two years worth um i think it was in between like what was your first job sorry did you have a job before college or in high school or anything like that yeah i mean i worked at victoria's secret like i (laughs) I did i worked at victoria's secret i worked was that your first job that was my very how old were you uh, fifth, no, 16, 16. Okay, cool. I would do like odd jobs here and there, yeah. but that was my, my first like proper job. And I worked there for a while. And then I worked, I worked for my, at my parents' company for a while. And then I worked at a couple other retail stores. Johnny was mm-hmm. worked there for a while. Yeah. I mean, all retail never got into the food industry too stressful for me. Much too stressful. I hate it. I hate um, it. But, uh, but yeah, and the transition out was hard because there was not a lot of jo- like jobs were really tough to get at that moment. People were like, I remember it was like specifically a really rough. What like, year, year did you graduate? Two thousand ten. Okay, so that's sort of all after the um, 
after the recession. Mm-hmm. So a couple it was years like, after. Yeah. So it was, it was just tough. And, um, I, I ended up getting, I was looking for jobs like crazy, but I got an internship, um, out of, uh, college in a couple months after like working my ass off trying to find an internship. And I had an internship at a PR firm that was a fashion PR agency. Cool. And I was living in, in, uh, Dana point and I was driving to LA every day. And it was, I would sit in traffic for like four and a half hours every day. And it was crazy, but I loved it. And, um, and I worked there for a while. Um, and I was like in the wardrobe there and I had so much fun. And then I was like, what is this new world? And people would like go out afterwards and drink and have cigarettes and wear only black. And I'm like, who are these people? And I loved everyone. Yes. And I love them all. Um, but, uh, but then after that, I ended up working at a PR firm. They offered me a job and uh, it wasn't enough money to bring me to L.A. because I still had my uh, my boyf in Orange County. That's another thing that I regret. Mm. I mean, ultimately, Evan and I stay no, I together. See, I know what you mean. You're like, I wish I would have gone off on my own for a little bit, experienced the city life, just exactly. a, a single it's one of those girl kind of thing. Right. It's yeah, one of those things I that it. I would be giving my friend a recommendation or a younger girl. I'd be like, don't sacrifice potential work that you love for a relationship. If it's supposed to work out, it'll work out. Yeah. And I wish I would have gone up and started my career then in the fashion industry. And I loved it. And do, doing wardrobe styling and the, the guy offered me then more because he really wanted me to stay there. And I just, just kept saying no. And then I took a PR job in Dana Point at a PR firm that I did not like. It was very like cookie cutter. It wasn't my vibe. I didn't feel like I was used well there at all. And I hated it. And it was just, you know, you just have to find your place. And then I went back up to L.A., started wardrobe again. Boom. Boom. Loved it. Obsessed. You went back to L.A. after you guys got married? Yes. Okay. But I was still then driving. Because we were still living in Orange County. Okay. Yeah. So I went back to like that crazy. How old were you guys? Were how old were you when you moved to LA? Oh, well, we didn't move to LA until um, after I had Ember. Officially, oh. yeah. So we got That's married. That's right. When you I was, were in Orange when mm-hmm. you got pregnant. I, I was uh, I was twenty three when Evan and I got married. I was twenty seven when we had Ember, and we moved when Ember up to LA when Ember was like six months. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Fast forward now four years. So you guys been living in LA for only four years. That's it. Okay. But we've both been working in LA for like sure. 10. Well, that's funny because I moved to Irvine in 2013 when I started going to school. And then I moved to LA proper. <sighs> I think 2016. Okay. So yeah. kind of the same right amount of the time. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> now I want to hear more of Becca's backstory. Okay. Um, but, uh, Becca, I will say this. You may not currently be having your period. I we don't. do know this since you're pregnant. When was the last time you had it? My goodness. It's been quite some time. Lord only knows. <laughs> I've had but like yeah. one period in the past two and a half years or whatever. But no, guess what? I'm sure having my period, God, since I've had a child, it is a force to be reckoned with this period. Um, but my personal favorite uterine care product company is Lola. Lola is a female founded company offering a line of organic cotton tampons, pads, liners, and all natural cleansing wipes. Listen, if we care about the ingredients in the food we eat and the beauty products we use, why shouldn't the same be true of our uterine care products? Well, Lola's products are 100% natural, no mystery fibers or doubts about what you're putting into your body. 
Lola makes your month a little bit easier by not only shipping directly to your door, but also allowing you to have a fully customizable subscription because you can choose your mix of products, mix of absorbency, number of boxes, frequency of delivery. You can choose all of that. And Lola's subscription is super flexible because you can change, skip, or cancel your subscription at any time. And Lola now offers cleansing wipes that are safe for use anywhere on the body. They're the first biodegradable, all-natural wipe of their kind, perfect for a midday refresh. And for every purchase with Lola, I love this part, they donate feminine care products to homeless shelters across the United States. Nothing feels better than when I start that flow and think, oh no. I'm out of tampons and I am too crampy to want to leave my couch and boom, my perfect Lola box shows up at my front door um, and we have a deal for you. For 30% off your first month subscription, visit mylola.com and enter chatty30 when you subscribe. That's 30% off your first month subscription by visiting mylola.com and entering chatty30 when you subscribe. Okay, B. All right. How many brothers and sisters? I always... Okay, so um, my dad was married twice before okay. my mom. And, uh, oh, I also meant to ask you this. Yeah. When did your parents, is only one of your parents Christian or both? Just your mom? Um, my my dad is no longer. My mom is When still. did each of them become Christians? Um, my mom became a Christian like right before I was born. And my dad became a Christian when I was four. See, this is really interesting because my parents, too, were not Christians growing up, which is actually both of our parents okay. are very unique in that aspect. Yeah. So um, my dad. So, yeah, my dad. Were your parents my, wild? So, no, my dad. Well, I'm not going to give too much of their story just because I don't really have permission to talk about yeah. it publicly. I'm like, I got a lot of, of info about my family. That's kind of crazy, but I just don't feel like, like it's not, I don't think it's really like our stories to necessarily <laughs> yeah, tell yeah, about them. I yeah. definitely have. Yeah. It's a, Maybe a lot one of day if we get permission from our families I'm, to say certain no, things. No, I'm not going to get it because there was like <laughs> stuff I didn't find out until I was 18. And it's like, you know, we have that in common. Yeah. Which is just, yeah. Anyway, but my dad was married twice before. So, um, my oldest brother is I can't do the math Josh is 30 I think my sister's the same age as you so you're 31 right mm-hmm. I think Maddie's either 31 or 32 so okay. Josh is 34 or 35 they're around there anyway Josh is 34 or 35 my half brother my sister's 31 to 32 for my dad's other marriage and then um my dad and my mom met when my mom was 17 and my mom was not raised in a Christian household. Um, but she also wasn't like, she wasn't wild. Okay. Like, okay. She, she was like, I don't know. My mom also just like, doesn't talk t- too much about her background, but I know that she wasn't crazy. Okay. And like for her own personal reasons, she was like not doing drugs, not really drinking. She's just like never really been it's like just that. Not her thing. Sure. And so anyway, um, my parents are both though the youngest of five. Um, anyway, my parents got together and then my dad became a Christian, um, after my parents met at some point, my mom thought he was part of a cult and my dad actually has like quite a crazy story about someone basically like prophesying over stuff that was going to happen. And that's really? kind of how my dad became a Christian because yeah. the prophecies were correct. It was basically like, Yeah. I'll just like tell it briefly. It's pretty interesting though. Basically he was in this, uh, he was trying to sell an insurance policy to this guy and this, this guy on a farm in the middle of nowhere. And my dad showed up, 
my dad had heard through like his uh, other coworkers that this guy was a Christian guy. My dad's like, eh, I was kind of raised Catholic. So like I'll be able to kind of bullshit my way through. Mm-hmm. And the guy basically like called him out on his shit immediately and was like, here's going on with your ex-wife and with your daughter. And I know it's really hard for you with them moving and like all this kind of shit that was going on. Oh, and this is going to happen. And my dad was just like, uh, what? Oh my God. And just got like really shook up about that. And was like, what's the deal with all this? Like just like literally started reading the Bible like on his own and my dad was had already always struggled with like dyslexia and struggled in school and stuff and like he had prayed that God would help him understand like the Bible while he was reading it and was able to like gain so much clarity and all this kind of stuff and like my dad's story is pretty conversion story is pretty powerful and my mom thought he joined a cult and was like what the fuck's going on I'm not into this Mm -hmm. and then eventually my mom became a Christian too they got married they broke up actually because they were like, our relationship is sinful and we can't. Oh, yeah. We can't. Hot. And then they uh, ran into each other at a Christian bookstore like 10 months later. Ended up getting back together and got married a year later. Anyway, so then they, um, my big brother and sister were pretty much always a part of like our household. And I didn't even know what a half brother and sister was. So I know they this were is just... different in different families, but my mom was right. always like, that's your brother and that's your sister. And okay. I just didn't really know any better okay. until of course, like some asshole little family friend was like, <laughs> she's not your sister. She's your half sister. And I'm like, oh, what? Sad. I don't really know what that means. Like I know Maddie goes and visits did her that, mom. Did that but, like, like mess you up or did you not feel really? Like, I was just like. No, she's my sister. Yeah. So I grew up with like, I, I don't really even like differentiating, but it's, it's good to point out that they are my half siblings. And I am the, what I call the oldest of the young ones. So I was born February 10th, 1995. And then I have um, a younger sister that's two years younger than me, Rachel, and a little brother that's four years younger than me, Joel. So Josh, Maddie, Rebecca, Rachel, and Joel, our little family of seven so you are smack dab in the middle. But that's why I say the oldest of the young ones, because my older siblings, one, they were like around their respective parents sure, like sure. half the time. And then two, like there was such a big gap when they were like moving out and doing their own thing. I yeah, always you felt like the I, oldest. Well, I have like the oldest personality. Sure. Like I don't really have a lot of the middle complex that like mm-hmm. people, my sister has a middle complex for sure. Sorry, yeah. Rach. Evan does calling too. you out. <laughs> Those weirdo middle, middle children Those cannot weirdos. relate. I love a middle child. Yeah. So I was uh, born and raised in Fresno, California, was homeschooled K through fifth, private school, sixth through eighth, homeschooled ninth and 10th, public school, 11th and 12th. So it was all around the block. Okay. Okay. So you, know, you started in homeschool. Yeah. So that's all that you knew. I always had this fantasy like obviously I was read I I was reading books I was like I wish I still read like I did like in fifth grade I would like sit and read a book for like 10 hours and I was obsessed with reading uh binging through Nancy Drew like 75 books later Mm -hmm. and scaring myself shitless before bed reading Nancy Drew going down the 99 steps the second book that's the scariest one there's the gorilla mask in the window Uh is terrifying Uh spoiler Maybe we should start doing Nancy Drew recaps. <laughs> Man, you, Ember's going to love, if you start reading those out loud, oh, she's going to yeah. be horrified. She's she going to love them. She loves the horror. Yeah. She and loves the mystery. Being uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh yeah. I was obsessed. I'd collect those. So you'd um, read books about the outside world. Oh, well, so yeah, basically, and, and since we were really involved in church, like I'd go to Wednesday night and we would do Sunday morning. So I had all my church friends and they okay. were all in public school, you know? Okay. So it wasn't like, 
totally sequestered off, but yes. like I had those friends and like, I'd also do little community, like soccer teams and stuff like that. So I was like, I was literally romanticizing, like, I love to have a lunchbox one day to take to school. <gasps> oh my God. And so on the days That's when we the had cutest thing I've ever heard. Oh, yeah. So on the days oh of homeschool co-op, I would be like, gotta take my lunchbox and like, here's my backpack with my binders in it. Cause like, I'm going to school. And it was like, also like, oh my God. It was also, I'm like, oh, I gotta get it. Like, I gotta get a pencil box, like, for school. It's kind of cool cause it like, created like an excitement for school oh, that maybe so fun. some of us who just started from like the get-go were like eh. well even though i will say there was nothing better than getting your new folders and like <laughs> pencil box every year like, no but like the one day a week where then we'd have worksheets or tests i was like mom i've got to do my homework and i was like you know it was so fun until sixth grade then i went to school and i was like this shit sucks <laughs> um and i'd cry every morning and beg not to go to school my mom was like you said you wanted to go to school and so we're committing you are finishing I out this I'm year fail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like not to mention we paid the tuition already so you have to stay yeah. for the year um well i know you were a good student yeah i was i was a little miss know-it-all i'm trying to think if there's anything from elementary school age um, asked Jesus into my heart, I think in kindergarten and I got a little certificate saying that I was saved. Did you continue to ask him into your heart over and over again? Of course. Every okay. few years, like All you right. said, to check up on my, to make sure I was still saved. Not going to go to hell this year. No. <laughs> a lot has changed in my heart yeah. over the past few years. And I really don't know if we're still good. So better yes. do that vacation Bible school gotta again. Check. Did you check. do VBS? Oh, absolutely. Vacation Bible school. Anyone out there? Dino? Anyone? singer do you know he would cover like Beatles songs and instead <laughs> no. of like hell he'd be like pray i need the power i need some jesus pray yeah oh yeah. damn oh, yeah. i wasn't exposed to that he was a rock cool. star i was like take your shirt off do you know <laughs> <laughs> he was like some 45 year old your, dad throwing your training bra <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I, I had a lot of little weird homeschooling friends. No, some okay. of them are like Taylor, who you met with some She's of my fantastic. best friends uh, are from, we were homeschooled together from like four or five years old. A couple of my other friends are from church and yeah, day, day oneers from like age mm -hmm. three or four, who I'm still very close with. And uh, so I had like my little homeschooling friends. Yeah, then I went to private school. I was instantly obsessed with being like, in in the in crowd okay okay that was my personality so when you were in private school were you like like you were asking me was i involved in uh like asb or like well like in private school so like in junior high i was like yeah i was in leadership there and then i'd like try to do some of the sports but because i didn't have like the k through fifth background of like playing volleyball i was yeah. always horrible and i wouldn't end up playing and and uh and then i was in i was in cheer which i loved were you good? Well, my mom didn't want me to be in it the first year because, like, she, cheerleaders were always the girls who were mean to her, and so she didn't want me to be a part of that. Yeah. And then I was, and I wasn't that good in it. I was horrible at tumbling and all that. But I had but I bet so you much so cute fun. Oh my god, I had so much spirit, <laughs> and uh, I was just like so obsessed with being like in the in crowd. I remember, like, I would save up my money for like a knockoff Juicy Couture purse. Okay, and that okay. was I was just like obsessed with being like that like sure. part part of the in like i said the in crowd yeah. um part of the clicks and all that um and then i don't know why but like freshman sophomore year i was just kind of like i don't want to like have to go to school for eight hours a day anymore like this kind of sucks and i want to be homeschooled and then my plan was to just like basically get all my classes out of the way being homeschooled 
and then to just reign supreme and then just have as fu- social queen. Basically, yeah, I wanted to go back and like be able to do the dances and all the fun public of course, school stuff. Yeah, but oh, also yeah. skip the shitty freshman and sophomore year in public school. Freshman, right? yeah, freshman year was horrible. Oh, yeah. Lord. So yeah. instead, I went back to being homeschooled, and I had a blast. I was part of a homeschool um, speech and debate team, yes. and some of my friends in that like lived up in the because Fresno is actually really close to the mountains, so they like lived up in the hills, and they like all snowboarded, and there was like some really cute boys, and so we'd I'd get to go up snowboarding, snowboarding for them babes. during the weekdays because everyone oh. was in school and we were homeschooled. So and I was climb. Oh, and I was I started climbing when I was nine or ten, and then started competing in that too so then when i was homeschooled again i started climbing oh, again you were that young when you started to climb mm-hmm. wow yeah pretty young then i was on the youth team and then um yeah freshman and sophomore year i was climbing a lot while i was homeschooled um, and a lot of my like team members were also homeschooled and but that was really i was actually i look back on those years and that was really fun because it was like a lot of like activity and it was the first yeah. time where i also felt like athletically competent which i never felt like that before and then i was like i'm killing it climbing i could snowboard it was just a it was just a really fun time i had my first long distance secret boyfriend because i wasn't allowed to date yes and uh he lived on the coast and when i would go visit taylor and her family because they moved to the coast i would always see him oh my god he's so cute not really and also first. I remember the first time we <laughs> kissed and I was like, is this it? Like what people talk about? That was really gross, actually. Like I he used too much tongue. Too. And it was yeah. Just like, yeah. I don't have, I didn't have a magical first kiss at all. Uh, yeah. And I was kind of like, mm, like, uh, do you remember really like kissing? This is like, so oof, I don't know, maybe excess information, but do you remember like the way that your first kiss tasted. No, I, and then sometimes I, I will smell it. someone who wears the same like axe or whatever. Uh-huh. And it kind of like brings everything back. Uh huh. We were also watching the movie, the beach with like Leonardo DiCaprio, Ooh. which was pretty intense. Yeah. Too. And <laughs> I was goodness. just like, my mom doesn't really let me watch it like this, but okay. She's like, mom doesn't let me watch it like this. And I'm about to kiss a boy. This is getting Oh, real. we were in his garage. He had like a, a couch and a TV in his garage. His parents were very worldly. You know, they allowed us out there on our own. Whoa. I was like 13. Oh yeah. my God. And then we kissed and I was like, that was really gross. I remember the feeling of like his tongue in my mm-hmm. mouth and it was slippery and like, which oh. <laughs> is really not pleasant. Yeah. I think my first kiss, like I still remember the taste of it and it's kind of scarred me a little bit like he had been eating like a weird salad and i could remember tasting <laughs> oh. it yeah and then it, but he had put a mint in and it was like a, the combo of that and i like still every once in a while like my remember pregnant that taste, and I'm just stomach like, is turning yeah, right sorry, now everyone dude was that's so gross. gross yeah yeah mm-hmm so sorry for you yeah i mean it's fine i had better ones later well that's the thing so i don't i didn't kiss anyone i think for maybe like a couple years because i was homeschooled oh, okay and i was just like that wasn't really something that i don't know you were like that wasn't like the best thing that ever happened to me so right yeah and and also like homeschool people didn't really like it was like very serious if like people in the homeschool group started dating like they were courting and like their parents were like convinced they were gonna get married and all that kind of thing (laughs) you had a hope chest yeah and also just like guys were a little bit different where like no guy was gonna ask me out at the homeschool group hear you on that even one even though there were some guys that i wanted to there was definitely some hotties homeschool yeah, hotties but they just wouldn't ask they wouldn't ask no and there was never like a social situation besides like cotillion or like whatever that you're gonna 
be. I was always crossing my fingers that one of them when I was homeschooled would ask me out on a date. And none of them ever did. I had like definitely fantasies that we'd go snowboarding and then we'd go off on our own on a run oh. and then like would maybe kiss under this. this did you live in, did you live in a, like a lot of fantasy life in your head? Definitely. When it came to my romantic life. Okay. <laughs> like, <Yes. laughs> yeah, I'd be like, we, you know, we'd go camping family members and be like, maybe the guy in the campsite next door, like he and I will bump into each other and then we'll sneak off at night mm-hmm. and like make our own fire in oh, the woods, God. like all that kind of oh, thing. Yeah. Was, did you, did you like ever lay in bed at night and like get excited to go to bed because you'd know that, that would be your time where you could close your eyes and start to like just fantasize? lay it all out. Uh-huh. Like I, I definitely had whole storylines with certain people or even uh-huh. imaginary people that were for sure going to unfold one day yes the day just the right scenario just had to come around oh i loved going to bed because i would just be like i'm about to dive deep into my fantasy world yes so good yes um so then when you went back to school to public were you a little party animal um well like at first it was really weird because i mean i went into i did literally didn't know anyone okay and so that was really weird like you're going in junior year to a public school and that like is no pretty one, intense also my school was really big for like fresno like it was a or for clovis actually is where we were i went to clovis high and it was like a probably like a 2500 person school oh my god so pretty big yeah that's really big so i'm like shit but what happened was the first week they had auditions and i have to tell you the theater department at clovis high anyone who lives in the clovis area had one of the best theater departments where like the the uh drama teacher she would like make sure if we had if we had a period like um like it was in the 60s she'd be like no neil simon wrote this play in 1963 those glasses that you got those started around in the late 60s in like 1967 we will not be having those on the set like she was crazy like that down to like the buttons on the coats like making sure i mean she was this is her life meticulous amazing it was her calling and she somehow the patients put up with high schoolers doing drama productions so anyway i auditioned and basically like i got the part and then so what that's was the part um it was it was for a neil simon play called barefoot in the park and i was oh i, love I was Corey. so oh it was kind of a dream you were Corey. it was oh kind God, of a dream role i love that play it's so good so good it really is and it's so cool because it's like got four characters and Mm -hmm. that's the whole show it was a really good show so you coming in you score the one of four part also at the around the same time um i've talked about this before but um my very first like real little romance love thing was this guy who's in leadership he was kind of like a really he was also part of something called isc which basically meant he was like in a leadership coalition for the whole camp like with all okay. kids from other schools like he was oh, that wow. okay like, okay he was very involved huge on the volleyball team all that kind of stuff anyway he noticed me and then was like i want to go to sadie's with her and then one of my little friends told told me so all of that kind of put me in a great position moving into that year so you were able to start off junior year with a bang yes get popular pretty quick yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah things went well the first the first year for sure and then um well then uh beginning of my junior year uh was when my grandfather was murdered so that was also it's a weird thing to go through then when you're 17 because you're like aware and then you're also not and you're also Mm -hmm. like a selfish teenager and you're just kind of like well my mom's really depressed and I kind of get to do whatever I want so this is kind of cool and there's just how did it how did it affect you like at that point that's what I'm saying it's kind of this weird thing where like 
I don't know. You're in a weird, it was very traumatic and there's a lot that I still unpack now about that time and experience. But then like, there's a lot of it that where you're just a fucking 17 year old yeah, for sure. and you're like, this is, you know, I mean, I don't know. You go through like mourning periods and there are times when things, it's like any grieving though too, where like there are times where things are the worst and then the that same night you're like well I'm gonna go out with one of my friends and we're gonna go to a show and I'm gonna have the best time right and then the next weekend this is gonna happen it's gonna trigger I'm not gonna be able to stop crying for like several hours and it's just like very you're in such a weird transition and then going through something like that and then also having everyone know in your school and in your Mm -hmm. city Mm -hmm. and all that everything's it's very weird to navigate and I honestly like don't really remember what that was I don't remember a lot of like how it played into my life. I more remember like the fun th- aspects of that part of my life. So like, you know, I remember, yeah, I don't know. I remember stuff with like my, my, before my boyfriend became my boyfriend and like the things that we did together. And I remember sneaking up with like all of my friends like three days after it happened and mm. we drove up to my grandparents like house up in the mountains and we like broke in and then I was like crying but then we were also like getting stoned and watching the Lion King up in one of the living rooms and then yeah. I would be going and sitting it was just like very it was weird it's really weird I think especially when you are younger too like and even I guess you you don't even have to be younger but just there, there is a process in grief that in, is like, I guess the denial process that I think sometimes looks different for different people. Yeah. And I, I know like, for instance, when my parents were going through the, their divorce, which is not nearly as traumatic as a murder. Um, but I was at school and if you were to ask me like what was going on with my parents, I, I literally told them like while they were processing through the divorce, I was like, I'm moving out and I lived in my grandparents' house and I basically threw parties every single night Mm because it was like an empty house. Mm -hmm. And I was just getting like drunk every single night and parting my face off. And I have like a lot of fun memories. And it was during a time that was That's what I'm saying. I kind of have like a lot of fun memories too. So it's kind of strange. Yeah, you you can deal with these like traumatic things or these like, you know, um, difficult uh, times in your life. And I, yeah, it must be the denial piece. I think because is it that, affect, does it affect you? Like, did it affect you in a, a much different way later in well, life? Well, I, I think like when you also have like it was unexpected. It's not like quite the same as like when someone has cancer and you know they're on their way out and yeah, you have, like you're dealing with that happened. for months. Like, not mm-hmm. that it's any better or worse, but when something happens, and also my grandpa was fifty nine, so like that's really, really, really yeah, young. So young, really young, especially now that my dad's like almost that age, and I'm like, whoa. That's so much, he has so much life ahead of him. And so when that kind of thing happens, it's like, it's also just, it also just like doesn't feel real. So you're just like always sort of expecting a call or like always, I mean, it feels like that a lot with loss, but I think specifically when it's so sudden and jarring, it's just kind of, you're like thrust into a weird new world and you think it's all going to kind of go away and go back to normal. And then it doesn't. And then I think it does hit kind of later on, but you're also at a stage when you're 17 that you're transitioning out of high school and you're thinking about college and you're having, you know, falling in love. And there's also so much going on that you also like, don't really have time to process. Mm -hmm. And so there's just like, you're already in a state of transition. And Mm -hmm. so you're just kind of always in this weird trajectory sort of trying to navigate forward in a weird way. So, but yeah, like I said, it's not really like, 
I mean, that was definitely a really major moment, but I don't actually, no, I don't remember a lot from that summer. I definitely know I did start smoking weed around that same time. And when I eventually got caught smoking weed, I did, I tell my parents, like I blamed it. I was like, it's because it's because you died. And like I had, which wasn't like really true. I started smoking weed before it happened and but I also think it was part of it because like I don't actually remember much of that summer and yeah, I was honestly yeah. so fucking stoned that whole summer and like I said my parents didn't really give a shit what was my parents were super strict before then where like I wasn't really able to like hang out with boys or anything like that and then my parents kind of weren't paying attention yeah of course they were of what was going everything. on with me yeah, yeah. yeah. And also having me having younger siblings at all that I think I would literally just like leave in the morning and me and my friends would like drive up to the lake or the mountains or a friend's house and we would just be stoned all day. We'd go to the movies and be stoned. And I, I just don't like really remember that summer too well. And then senior year, uh, but also junior year, like I was in mock trial. There was just like a fucking lot going mm-hmm, on. Mm-hmm. And then... um I was very heavily involved in mock trial. I fucking loved it. Oh, so fun. (laughs) It was like, it was really cool. And we also like went to the state championships like that next, my senior year, which is so cool. And yeah, just like, and I fell in love my senior year, like really fell in love the first time. And, and, uh, it was big. Those are big years for you in your like own personal life. And then you have this like traumatic thing that happens. Yeah. 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 yeah, Totally. I think, I think those two years were like some of the most formative because Mm -hmm. I was stepping away and like starting to do my own thing and forge my own path and make my own decisions. And I I felt very comfortable making my own decisions for myself. Yeah. Between like, you know, experimenting with certain things, having sex. I think I lost, yeah, I lost my virginity my senior year. That was like a whole ass mess too, which I've talked about before because I lost my virginity to a guy I didn't like. Then I regretted it. And then like five yeah. hours later, I was like, now I've got to sleep with the man I really love to try to like undo it and yeah, like do it that. right. I didn't know it was your senior year. I was my senior year too. Was it my senior year? Yeah, it was my senior year. And I don't know, just like all of that shit and prom and Ugh. theater and mock trial and like. And applying for college. Yeah. And like everything's like boom, 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 boom. And then you went to college. Or you took a break. College. No, I went to college. Oh, but that summer before college, it was just like the summer of love where it was just like, I mean, I think back on it, it's really like a movie montage where we were like skipping through the creek Mm -hmm. together, like holding hands and like all the laying in the back of a truck bed in the middle of an or like an orchard looking up at the sky kind of thing. Yeah. No, it's all the love. Very romantic. Um, Yeah. Then I went to college and basically my boyfriend also moved. uh, I went to UC Irvine. My boyfriend moved to Fullerton he was just kind of going to community college and we just kind of like wanted to be together. We also didn't know anyone really. So it was just kind of us. And I didn't really like, I can sometimes be really reclusive if I don't like push myself and I didn't really like instantly feel connected to any people. So mm-hmm. I sort of like, I mean, I joined a sorority, but I also felt like I didn't click with a lot of the girls and a lot of them were single and we're always out I always out forget drinking. that you were in a sorority. Yeah. And like, yeah. I, but I had my really serious boyfriend. Mm-hmm. So I was also like, hey, I could go out and get drunk. It's a weird thing when you have a serious relationship and you're starting something like college mm-hmm. and they're not at the college with you. 
and you feel like but he also kind of was like he lived really close by and yeah. he wasn't really having his own college experience okay so he was coming in like, kind of just like us okay Okay. against the world mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh yeah so i don't know I, it was just different and i was kind of like oh, i don't want to go out and party with them like i just want to stay at home with my boyfriend like i don't really want to go to this stupid party and like no i'm not gonna make out with any of these guys and, yeah like, yeah these girls are kind of dumb too it was just like wasn't super into it and then the summer when we were back home after freshman year we broke up and mostly because i was a huge bitch and <laughs> I was really taking him and our whole relationship for granted. It happens. He broke up with me. Basically, my sophomore year, I was just devastated, super depressed. And uh, yeah, so any, I don't know. College was like not really fun and like the fun. And also I went to UC Irvine, which isn't necessarily known to be the most like fun school. Yeah. So. Yeah, commuter colleges have a different feel for sure in general too. Yeah. And then I moved back home after that year because I was just like, I need to go home. Mm-hmm. And I was able to get the pet back in my step and got a new boyfriend. <laughs> I, got got a, new, I got a new boyfriend I got a in new, Fresno. But that actually was like a weird transition point for me too. Like moving back to Fresno, I was only there for 10 months, but I like had my boyfriend and he was like, he was like part of the worship team, but then also had friends that were like literally in, I literally went, he took me to a trap house one time. Oh shit. Where there was like guns and bags and like oh, pit bulls and like bags of cocaine on the kitchen counter in a studio in downtown Fresno. And I was like, <laughs> you're like, I am confused. Uh, <laughs> I smoke weed, but this like really isn't my vibe. And these guys were like, you know, those little things that would go like, yeah. that you stand on. Yeah. Oh my God. They were God. like rolling around there around the pit bulls. There's like a mattress on the floor. And I'm just like, what's happening? so i was kind of like in this whole new world with that boyfriend in a way like not that we were doing that kind of thing a lot but it was a different feel it was really fun because then he like yeah my parents would go out of town and we'd like drive my dad's like really nice mercedes around town and we would like go out to fancy dinners and like oh my it was really fun you know it was just like a different experience that i hadn't really had but then when you broke up with him. No, then I moved to LA and I like okay. started saying, I started telling everyone in Fresno, I'm moving to LA in, in five months. I'm moving to LA in four months and I didn't have any plans. I was just like, I'm going to do it. And then we both moved to LA. He still lives here actually. And um, yeah. And then we, we were, we were together when I was in LA for like a, for like a year or so. But I made a point when I moved to LA, I was like, I will make friends mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I will push myself. But he was also like very social. So it was like a lot easier for us to like branch out. And like, okay. I was very it intentional. Was like the, the previous No, I was boyfriend. like, I'm not going to let that happen again. Not let that happen. Yeah, yeah. I got my nanny jobs. I had been nannying all through Fresno and in Orange County. Anyway, so that's pretty much my life. Fast forward to then going on The Bachelor, which was... So I broke up with him and then pretty shortly after I got with this other guy. And then like five months later, we broke up. And then I was like, fuck it. I'm going to meet Peter. (laughs) Yeah, Peter. I forgot. Yeah, another Peter. Peter, I'm going to go meet Peter Krause and I'm going to go to the open casting. Peter with the gap. Peter with the gap too. Mm -hmm, I went mm -hmm. to the open casting and then everyone else pretty much knows the story from there. Well, speaking of Bachelor, um, before we... uh, have to do a couple more sponsored conversations and then take some cues from yeah. the audience. Um, can we discuss the Maddie 
white savior situation. Oh, Speaking shit. of Bachelor, yeah. I, feel like I guess this is I a good transition. I didn't really talk much about my church journey, but I was yeah. pretty heavily involved, especially in, in youth group in junior high and in early high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and funny enough, we used to do Mexico mission trips every year. We did too. But right when I was about to get old enough to do the Mexico missions trips, all the cartel shit started going down. Oh, so they stopped. So they stopped doing the Mexico okay. mission trips. So what we had actually do was actually a uh, much less problematic version of that where I'm actually kind of down with this. We would do something called I Heart Fresno and we'd go sleep at the church for a week and then we would go volunteer at local things around town. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's and we'd really like cool. volunteer at the YMCA and like put on like after school day camp things. That's and really so we cool. were doing stuff in the community. So that's kind of what I ended up doing. Okay. So you didn't end up going. But I knew the culture where it was like and I also knew how many of my friends like wanted to be missionaries. And my mom was very involved in mm-hmm. like missionary culture and it was like you know, that, that is like, you are the ultimate Christian. If you go to Africa and like live at an orphanage and serve the children, like that is how you are. You are being a real Christian Mm -hmm. when you're out there doing that. Well, and that's the thing. So I think for someone, um, like Maddie, for instance, um, or a lot of people that are raised in the church, including myself, that there is this piece where you are told that this is the best way that you can help people. So I think a lot of people go in like with genuine intent thinking like, this is what I'm supposed to do. It's not this thing of like, I'm going to go save everyone. It's literally like, this is what's going to be helpful. This is what my pastor says is helpful. My parents say is helpful. So this is what I'm going to do. And you go in and you, it's, why don't we talk about, talk to your, your experience. Yeah. So I did Mexico every year. Mm -hmm. Um, we would help build a, a house and I'll say this. My Mexico missions trips had two two parts to them. One, hookup central. Oh, hell yeah. Because everyone was intense and there was like only like two or three adults who were, you know, Definitely. making sure that we were not leaving our tents and mama got busy. So that was that was part of my Mexico missions trip. Um, but then the other part was definitely feeling, and this is just me being fully transparent. It's dark, but it's true. Me feeling superior. I did. Well, and fulfilled, I think. Yeah, where f- you're but like- fulfilled in like a superior way mm. where it was very much like, and I don't mean superior in the sense of like, oh, I am so much better than all of you. It was literally kind of like a, I am doing this, me, me, me for them. And that's kind of how I looked at it for most of my high school. Um, wow, that's pretty, I mean, I think that the way that I felt, it was, I felt like, um, I always felt really on fire for God after. So I'd be like, this is what it truly means to serve the Lord. And I really believe that I am like sacrificing my time and I'm sacrificing what I would normally, normally everyone else in spring break is going on vacation. I am serving and like, this is being a true servant. And like, I am truly helping these people. And And I would say that. Yeah. But if I'm being fully honest about like what was going on inside, it was very much like a... I feel good about myself because Mm. of this. Not, um, not a, I bet God is so, so happy with me right now. And that was a struggle for me too, because I felt like I, I saw people around me who felt like very much like, I feel like God is so pleased with what I'm doing. And I didn't feel that connection. Mm. It was very much like a, I did good. I did good. And it was cocky. Box check. No, literally. Like- and it was kind of like, and I think a lot of it too has to do with, 
um, just my personality kind of in, in my family of like, I never kind of felt like I was able to like be what maybe my family wanted me to be. So when I would do these things, it would kind of be like, see, look at how much I helped. And I would always be very involved with it. So I'd make sure that like, even though I was doing the hookups, I was, you know, leading everything and I was helping plan beforehand and getting all the donations and doing all that. And, um, and I loved, don't get me wrong when I was there, I loved being with the people, but if I'm being completely honest, there was a very weird piece of myself that I was feeling like, yes, I, I did this and I feel superior to perhaps the girl at my school who used her spring break to go get drunk and party. I feel better. I think I definitely felt um, maybe like a bit of a classist superiority complex as well, too, Mm because I remember, I mean, even in Fresno, Fresno is a very interesting, like, blend of community of, like, wealth and poverty. And so I remember, like, seeing moms drop their kids off at day camp. And, like, a lot of them couldn't speak English. There's a lot of Spanish-speaking neighborhoods in Fresno. And so it would sort of be like, (laughs) I don't know, like, you are most likely, like, a non-Christian, poor incompetent mother like this child is probably low-key suffering and like this child is lucky to get to hang out around Mm -hmm. people who actually care for them like we do and I definitely remember feeling that a lot too yeah I think you nailed you nailed it with that one for sure because I I I know that I felt well I were we were from Orange County so it was all very affluent a lot of money not like barely any diversity at least it's I guess it's pretty much the same, but, um, pretty much the same now, but, um, or it's diverse, but it's super segregated. So you got yes. like Santa Ana, which no one goes to, and then you've got Costa Mesa. Exactly. Got, like, exactly. Kind of exactly. Yeah. It's very segregated. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I remember going to Mexico and being like, um, seeing like a mother with her kids and like helping build a home for the mother and the children. And instead of, connecting with the fact of like what, um, in that moment, what, um, um, a privilege this is for me. I was kind of like, she can't do it. So we're going to, and not thinking this woman lives day to day and takes care of these children as best she can. What am I fucking talking about? Or what am I saying in my head that I'm the one she can't. So I can my 16 year old ass, Getting laid in the outhouses can like, <laughs> come on, not really in the outhouses. Also, but. like, I, I think that, and, and people don't like to hear this part, but if we're evaluating what these missions trip look, trips look like, you are sending, how many people would you think go in your group? Um, it was typically like 20, 25 people. I I'm guessing say. everyone had to raise their yes. funds. Yes. So I don't know how much, but maybe $1,500 or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So you've got 15. 25 kids. Let's let's be conservative and say $1,000 each. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a little more than that, but... But let's be conservative. Let's sure. say $1,000 $1, each. $1,000 each. And there's $25,000. And that money is being spent to send kids with no specialized skills. <laughs> you can even swing a hammer. No, I know. <laughs> I know. No specialized skills mm-hmm. to build one house. Uh-huh. Like... Like let's if we're looking at this logically, how is this serving the community, or is it really about which I just wish we would get more honest with ourselves, or is it about um, people call it volunteerism because, or is it about exposing 
kids from an affluent neighborhood to like exotic poverty mm-hmm. and like giving them that ex- that life experience so that they can come back and me- be more grateful. Sure, sure. What is it really about? Because if yeah. it's helping the community, are we raising $25,000 to then send a team of carpenters to build like a, a, like a, a community like home? Right. <laughs> Versus like whatever we made. <laughs> God knows. <laughs> but it's like, so let's get honest like Mm -hmm. is it about exposing kids Uh, i think it can be a great reality check well no and that's the thing i I think when i went to mexico all those years i was very fixated on myself i I was very 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 insecure um very like you know hooking up with like the different guys who i had the crushes on and then also wanting to like really prove myself in some weird way that like i'm a good person and like but i yeah weird stuff but then when i got older actually right before college i went with evan and a couple other people like on we did it ourselves it was like a makeshift um we went to albania for a couple weeks and we showed up and it was exactly kind of what you were saying. Like we raised all this money to go over there and it cost a lot because it was far, you know? So yeah, plane tickets alone, I'm sure yeah. pretty costly. And, um, and then we went to Albania and we get there and the church is already kind of like set up and they're like, yeah, you guys can just kind of help us throw our VBS and for like the, for two weeks and the VBS, we don't speak Albanian. So we're literally just hands, but they didn't really need us. And so we were kind of just like hanging out with the kids and that was sweet. But I remember feeling like I was in the way. And I remember thinking like, I should have just sent the money. And it felt weird. And I started feeling a little weird about it. And realistically, they might've had to go out of their way to like find a role for you. And it felt, and it felt that way. And I remember being like, I feel a little weird about this. And I felt, first of all, I felt very humbled because I felt like I was going to go over there and everyone was going to be like, wow, so helpful. Thank you so much. And the community was not, there was like no gratitude that it was expressed. We felt like we were in the way we were in the way. And, um, the kids also weren't like, um, you know, they liked us, but it wasn't like they were enjoying Uh, all the other people who are helping and like who are locals who are helping all the parents and everything. And then we used the rest. And then we also raised money or like got our own money to then like float around afterwards to go to like Greece and a few other places and like vacation. And then that made me feel really weird. (laughs) So I'm like, I raised money. I feel like I was in the way. And then I floated around with my own money, like, to Greece and Italy and kind of like hung out with my boyfriend and like three friends. But like we came back and like did it in the name of this. That's when I started to kind of like dissect some stuff. And um, I started to realize and really like truly be honest with myself and look at the fact of like, hey, a lot of this is is for or this is for me. Yeah, actually, I went on a mission trip to Costa Rica, which I forgot about. And I went with my dad in a group and it was like, it was like an adult group though. But like the extent, and this was maybe a little bit of a better setup because it was like, uh, they had an established like community project going on. But the weird thing is, is that every summer they would coordinate like a few weeks to have mission trip people come in and they'd have specific roles. But like when I look back on it, all we did is like, we'd go along to the different community things. Like we'd go along to the daycare they already had established and would like help out or would like, 
go to the Zumba class for the elderly and like do the Zumba, which is like fun. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was all this yeah. stuff where it's like, I'm not really doing shit. And I paid like $3,000 to be here. Mm-hmm. I'm not fucking helping anyone. And yeah, maybe I'll like connect with the kid, but then what to leave a week later and be like, bye, I'm not coming. I'm not going to see you again, but like, I'll always remember you Manuel or whatever the fuck. Like what was that actually yeah. doing? Like, yeah. What, what what was I accomplishing? I wasn't accomplishing shit. I had a fun time in Costa Rica mm-hmm. and I wanted to go back after. And I think I felt a sense of accomplishment. But really what happened is I was hosted by a family mm-hmm. who was going out of their way to help me have a yeah. place to stay <laughs> yeah. and was feeding me while I was there, uh-huh. you know, and like all this kind of kind of stuff. A hundred percent. Like it was 100 percent volunteerism. And I think and I think that it's so in like you said, it's all the mindset, because I think it is so important for especially I would say for someone like myself. I know I'll be real like I was in my weird Orange County bubble. I knew nothing of the outside world and it was really important for me. And I was going to Mexico and I still wasn't fucking getting it because I was just still wrapped up in all my own shit at the time. Um, But. I know then when I was in college and then I started to do um, international studies as like another major, um, I, that's when then I ended up going to India for like six weeks and that was the, the best thing that ever happened for me from this perspective because we didn't go, it wasn't a, 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 a quote unquote missions trip. It was international studies. Mm-hmm. So we literally went over and we were in Delhi most of the time and we were hosted, um, by, um, an Indian family. And we were, we literally would like stroll around and like go check out places and we'd have families who, literally would like bring us in and make food for all of us, all of us, like these us stupid kids who were just like, kind of like wandering around, like getting to know the culture and they'd spend all their money making us food. And I remember just being like, who the f- Ugh, get all weird. Like who the fuck am I? Like I, I, I think that I offered something right. and yet I'm coming face to face with, people who are way more fucking advanced than I am when it comes to their emotional capacity, their wisdom. I literally was like, I I, I all of a sudden just came face to face with the idea of like, oh no, this is this tourism thing for me. And all I did, I came over here and I experienced something that was very shocking. And here I am leaving in shock. And I've talked about this before, but I was with a group of kids who were from this Christian university and it, and there was a lot of like, Oh my gosh, negative conversation because it was a different religion. It seems so dark. It seems so dark. Mm-hmm. And I remember walking away and being like, I feel more light here than I've felt in so many places because I was welcomed into a community that I did not deserve to be welcomed mm-hmm. into because I was just kind of this obnoxious person mm-hmm. who thought I was going to be of some sort of help here. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, 100%. And it really rattled me. And so I think with this whole, the white savior thing, I I think, I think there's nothing wrong with wanting an experience and that's the thing, but don't have this pretense of you solving someone's problem. And I, 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 what, what were you going to say? No, I just, I just remember then I had a, I had a professor who ended up kind of sitting us down and he was kind of like the missions professor at, at Cal Baptist. And I remember 
he had this conversation with us where he was basically like he's the missions he's the missions pastor and he was very anti like missions trips and he was very anti people going in and he would use examples of you know a person who would go to let's say Africa and you know like a white man would go into Africa and would um, tell people about Jesus but then you'd see the church services every single Sunday and all of a sudden everybody would be dressed the same and singing like hymns and not practicing like the music that they had before and it was like they removed all these things from it and it became this like kind of cookie cutter thing. And and it's the story of colonialism. And mm -hmm. we look at like, um, you know, taking over the native American populations and assimilating and making things like us and things are more like us than they're better. Um, I even think of what was that missionary story about the man who was killed and his wife went back. Remember what the, Oh, Elizabeth Elliot. So in the thing with the Elliot, I've been thinking about for some reason the Elliot story because that was always like the pinnacle of martyrdom and missionary stories. And basically the story, for those of you who don't know, is about a missionary going to a tribe that did not want anyone to come and bother their tribe. And then when he came to try to tell them about the Bible, he was, they, they killed him the minute he showed up. Mm-hmm. And it's like... This is an untouched tribe that has been untouched by yeah, colonialism. They, had never seen, they, were hor- they were horrified too because they had never seen someone, so they didn't kill him. Well, they made it clear too, I believe, like to it protect was, it him was, or to protect themselves. Pre- yeah, it was me. known that they wanted to remain in yes. the way their tribe had functioned for thousands of years, which, and, and then it's like this beautiful martyrdom story, people say, of like he sacrificed himself. And it's like they didn't. Yeah. These people like made it clear that they didn't want, why are you going here? Yeah. And I want to be respectful because I know that there's, you know, some people who listen who are firm, like believers in Christianity and, you know, have believe that if you do not follow a certain religion that you will go to hell. So there is like the desire to want to help people. Yeah. So I, I would say, it's, you know, it's coming from a good place. It's coming from a good place. It's just one of those things that I think is requires. And I'm saying this again from someone who was, has done this myself uh, having to really like I had to step back and just be honest with you know with did I really help anyone and it was like no I I did help myself I really did and I'm really really grateful for those experiences um and what I have to do is be able to like look back and almost kind of give like a say a silent like thank you to those people who I quote unquote helped who I kind of probably just got in the way who ended up helping my perspective and and there are some guidelines like um i love the instagram account no white saviors it might be a little much for some people but i love it and some of the guidelines they give is if you do not have a specialized skill i if you are not like training nurses or you know if you're not like a carpenter training people on how to build their own houses oh no if you have a specialized what's what's the real reason that you're going Mm -hmm. um because and can someone else basically do your role better? And can you help fund someone else yes. to be more helpful? Yes. And if you're bypassing that and doing it anyway, you might be feeding into the white savior complex or the savior complex of like, I have something special inherently because of where I live and who I am. Right. That was help. like why my, my like quote unquote missions professor, he always his big thing for all the kids who would come to the college who wanted to be missionaries. He was like, you better develop an excellent skill. He's like, and you better be the 
best <laughs> carpenter, the best doctor, and then you can go over, fund yourself, and um, you can, you know, tell people about Jesus, but you also need to be able to bring, so offer something to the community physically. Well, and also check out, is there someone else cool. doing the same thing? Is there a... there? Africa has a higher Christian population than the United States does. Oh, really? Yes. I may, I may be, I'm almost, po- I may be wrong. I may be wrong. But Africa, I believe the leading religion is Christianity. There are less Christian people in the United States. There's people, if you want to spread the gospel, there's, there's people here. And there's so many churches there. So you can be funding churches in Africa of people who live in the community and you can be sending your $2,500 there and doing good to, work. That's help with medical things. Or sure. <laughs> I'm just saying if your goal is to, yeah. is to spread the sure, message of sure. Christianity, there are people doing it who are already a part of the community who don't have to buy a $2,000 plane ticket and your funding and money can, can truly, you may not like to hear this, but go to better places Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and there anyway so there's a lot more that can be said on that oh specifically though with posting i just want to do talk about posting yes 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 yes. um because i mean if someone came and if i if i ruth is orphaned god forbid and she was in a orphanage here in los angeles and someone came and take a photo of her with a snotty nose dirty sitting in the backyard of the orphanage and posted it for their thousands of followers to see is that the way i as a mother dead or alive want to see my child portrayed as this image of poverty that this person is helping no is that is that giving my putting my daughter in a position of dignity no what is it doing? It's just the other person trying to elevate themselves, like like we've been talking about, as this savior, this person helping this the least of these, and um, and not to mention that it's it's an exot- exoticizing too of poverty. You know, like uh, you know the 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 mission trip to Africa are more popular than the mission trip to Albania, and are you going to get more likes on a photo of dirty black I get, children? I didn't get any likes on my Albania photos. <laughs> What are you going to get more likes on as a girl from Alabama, like, or from wherever? I'm not trying to just hone in on Madison, like you with dirty black children or like white children. And then also, are you doing things to help the black people in your community? Are you aware of like microaggressions and racism and how you play a part in the country you're in? No, you're just interested in helping black people in Africa, maybe unpack is that because you're exoticizing and fetishizing these people in another Mm -hmm. country? There's so much more to be said, but. I'm glad that we could talk about like yeah. our experience no, and, and that's, like, it's not just coming from, it's, it's not coming from uh, when, when Beck and I are talking about this, it's not coming from a place of, of like where I'm like, Oh my God, can you it's more believe? compassion than it's anything. more like I, it's, it's just more like I'm seeing it and I go, Oh, like, because I've processed through that. And I, I, at least personally, I was, I had a mirror that was held up to me when I had, had to be really honest with myself that I didn't, I didn't like and well, I had to be really honest. And I understand where the place it's coming from too. Like yeah. when I see it posted, I'm like, damn, I know that this person is, I know it's not in their conscious state, but, but you know, intent does not erase impact mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and or lack thereof. Yes, exactly. Man, we really went <laughs> well, we hard really, in the paint. We really went hard. Um, well, we answer some bump questions before the Yeah, end, we so. will. Um, well, we want to talk about teeth for a second. <laughs> Let's talk about teeth. Um, I do have to say this. Now, as a parent, I have to appreciate the vast amount of 
money that my parents dropped on two rounds of braces for nice. me. Nice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like now I was like, oh my God, these are so obnoxious. And now I'm like, God bless you guys for spending that money. So it's so expensive. But now because I suck and I never wore, wore, wore my retainer as a 31 year old woman, my teeth are moving again. But there is now an affordable option um, and also an invisible option. It is Candid's Clear Aligners. Unlike braces, Candid's clear aligners are comfortable, removable, and totally invisible. So you can transform your smile without anyone noticing a thing. My dad got braces at 45 and it was not his best look. I wish he had Candid instead <laughs> at the time. <laughs> and unlike other companies, Candid only works with orthodontists, never just general dentists. So that means that your treatment will be designed by an expert in tooth movement. With 20 years of experience on average... Tons of experience. And it's fast. With Candid, the average treatment length is just six months, and you'll start seeing results way before then. Plus, you never have to set a foot in a doctor's office or waiting room. Your treatment is prescribed remotely by a licensed orthodontist, and Candid delivers everything you need right to your door, which is an incredible blessing for little doctor, orthodontist, dentist phobia queens like myself. Um, learn more about Candid's process and get a complimentary 3D scan of your teeth at a Candid studio near you. It's the simplest, freest way to get started. So... Are you ready to take the first step towards straighter teeth? Because for a limited time, you can get started with $75 off by using code chatty at candidco.com slash chatty. That's candidco.com slash chatty. Use code chatty for $75 off at candidco.com slash chatty. Code chatty. Speaking of phobias, not only am I a little baby at the dentist's office, I am also a little phobic of the gym. Um, how fun finding about all my fears today. <laughs> a little fun air, fact air, on air you. All my fun fears. Um, vulnerability 2020. Um, but honestly, I don't like going to the gym because I feel like everyone is looking at me vain and narcissistic, maybe. <laughs> but that's how I feel because I don't feel like I ever know what I'm doing there. Yeah. So I get all sorts of self-conscious and then I just avoid working out altogether. But I I found a solution, a super fun way I can work out in the privacy of my own home, in the nude, even if I want Boom. to really. It's Open Fit. Open Fit takes all the complexity out of working out. It's a brand new, super simple streaming service that allows you to work out from the comfort of your living room or truly wherever in as little as 10 minutes a day. Everyone's bodies are different, and Open Fit gets that. And that's why they have personalized, uh, programs to your needs with custom tailored original content they have amazing trainers and classes like extend bar that is hard oh yeah yoga or join a live real-time workout with a certified personal trainer who will get you the most out of your home workout but they can't see you so like just said exactly. you could be in the nude exactly because I, I, I tried it with a trainer once and i felt a lot of pressure and very nervous but now <laughs> i love it because i can access it anywhere and i love that live workout um you can view it on your computer web enabled web enabled tv tablet smartphone and roku um I am really, really loving this new live uh, real-time workout. It's so much fun, and it's coming from someone. Uh, this is coming from someone who typically doesn't enjoy working out. In fact, to be honest, I never really did it much until super recently with OpenFit. Um, OpenFit has changed the way I work out. And with the code CHATTY, you can join us on a fitness journey personalized just for you. Right now, listeners get a 14-day free trial membership to OpenFit when you text CHATTY to 
505050. That's 505050. Uh, try it for free or your money back. It's entirely risk free. You will get full access to OpenFit, all the workouts, and a nutrition guide totally free for 14 days. Again, just text chatty to 505050. Uh, 505050. Standard message and data rates may apply. Boom. All right. Some fun questions? Yeah, got let's a little, get into got it. Got a little heavy, got a little deep. Wow, Just that was weird. <laughs> a Halsey track started to play, and we're going to get our demonetization. No. <laughs> okay. I was jamming to that new Halsey track. That video is uh, hot. Okay. Should we do some fast ones? Oh, Jess, if you had one season to pick to be on The Bachelor, which would you pick and why? I mean, whose season would I have gone on? Yeah. Obviously Ari, so I could no, have met that's you. Not that. That's not, no, 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 no. That aside, I knew you were going to say that. Okay, honestly, this is like really awkward because I know him now, but I would say Nick's mm. because I find him to be the most attractive of the bachelors. But I don't know. I'm like, <sighs> I'd rather go on a girl season. Which one do you think you'd win? Oh, which one would I win? In the guys. None of Most them. likely. I mean, I'm not. It's not true. I don't feel like. What I, the fuck? No, I feel don't be humble. No, listen, I feel good about myself. I feel like, you know what I feel like? I feel like this new Bachelor ABC spinoff where the musician is the head guy. Okay. I feel like I could win. Okay. I, whoever that may be. I think I feel like I could win. you could have won. I don't know. I just feel like a lot of these men's were looking for like a pageant girl and uh, a certain type of personality. And I just don't know if I'm that. Maybe when my hair was like flowing and I didn't have as many tattoos. I'm um, not sure. What about Juan Pablo? <laughs> actually might have been able to crush that one <laughs> or like uh oh was I, the guy that ended I up was Molly? into him oh jason I, sort of, I don't know why i could see you with jason is that weird i don't really remember jason very well so like maybe i bet like maybe jake Pel- pelveca the other pilot would have liked me but i did not like him because he okay. kind of liked vienna or whatever her name was vienna she kind of always had like eyeliner dripping and i feel like maybe i could have <laughs> done that i feel like maybe i could have gotten into that um oh my gosh strange dates freakiest first date do you have any weird strange first dates? no we tried to talk about this before remember i, I can't think of that many well i guess like i mean i don't mean like nightmare i was more meaning like weird no no except for the one where i we went trail running and i thought i was gonna have to be heli- helicopter evacuated <laughs> off the hill i was dying I had a weird first date in college. Of course you did. (laughs) (laughs) No one. Nobody just. So this one time this guy stalked me. (laughs) Was this guy once in college? Oh, to be completely like to clarify, I never get sick of them. But like, am I surprised? Never. Nothing you could say now could shock me. You could be like this guy dressed up like my dad and like had photos of my dad all over his apartment. It was really weird. I don't know what that was about. And I'd be like, mm, normal for Jess. I don't know. I draw strange creatures. I think I love it, but I do. Um, this actually is this is not is not as weird as someone dressing up as my dad. But I did have a first date with a guy. I really didn't actually want to go on, out on a date with him. And my friend was like, you should you should because she thought he was like one of the cute water polo players. Uh-huh. Not my type. Um, but he was like, why don't you just like come back to uh, like our first date was me coming back to his dorm room and he made his like 
other uh, doormate leave. And I went in and they had Keystone, you know, the beer Keystone, yeah. uh, stapled as wallpaper in the room. So it was like a giant Keystone cave. That's so fresh. And I walked in and he goes, you want to have a Keystone? <laughs> I was like, and this was when I wasn't drinking because I wasn't You're 21 like, are we yet. being filmed? Is this an ad? <laughs> I was like, um, I don't. Are you sponsored by Keystone? <laughs> <laughs> this was happening. I'm like, no, I don't think I, I don't think I, um, I'm going to have any. And he spent the next like hour heckling me like really rudely for not drinking. And, and he started getting drunk and that was literally oh, our first. No. Oh yeah. And that was our first date. It was him heckling <laughs> me. And then I went back to my place and I was like that was horrific and then he started blowing up my phone and he was like let's do that again my dad's got a yacht and starts flexing and I was just like I thought we were on the same page when you got drunk and heckled me for not drinking I thought it was just a mutual <laughs> bad first date that's all I that's, wasn't your key- that's awful. I wasn't your keystone queen so I'm kind of like well you know, <laughs> know. <laughs> keystone queen um let's see Oh my gosh, the ultimate fuck Mary kill. Sweetie Petey, know, Barbara, or Peter Sr. Jim, aka fuck Jim. Peter, Mary, Jim, kill Barb. <laughs> You're too much. I don't want to fuck her or marry her. I don't want her dead, but. I'd have to say fuck Peter Sr. Okay. Because I feel like he, with that stash, <laughs> he's probably be a great lay i'd uh marry barb because i feel like she'd cook for me for forever and i'm so sorry sweetie pd but you're off <laughs> damn yeah you don't think barb would talk your ear off too much yeah but you know i got AirPods, and i'm sure her food is delicious true actually i'm sure she, she's cuban right mm-hmm. <sighs> oh yeah Good call. Marrying her for the food, baby. Uh, Someone said, do we ever have days where we don't feel like having sex? Yeah, obviously. Not obviously, but you should listen to our other sex episodes for sure. I very frequently do not feel like having sex. And that's totally fine. I never feel like having. No, that's not true. But yeah, there's plenty. There's whole. There's whole weeks and even months sometimes where I'm like mostly not in the mood. You there's know, like month, there's ebbs there, and flows. Absolutely, I'll have like a month where I am literally raging, and then I'll have two months where I'm just like, could could do with or could with, do with or without it. Mostly could do without it. Like you know, there's sometimes where um, sex is like the the only thing I can think about. But then there's like other days where I like, or even weeks where I sort of forget it exists unless someone reminds me. Do I you can, have that experience? I completely agree with you. We're literally like not on my mind at all. Literally, it's not like, like I'm opposed two weeks to ago. It. I felt like a 13 year old boy, uh-huh. and I was just everything I was looking at. I was thinking about sex, yes. and I was just like, "That's all I want to do." Yes, so horny. And in the past two weeks, I'm literally like, "Oh no, I'm fine." But sometimes it's like I forget it even exists. Yeah, yeah, like, you forget. Yeah. <laughs> until until Evan's just it. like, yeah. um, <laughs> I don't want to like be a bother, <laughs> but it's been a hot minute." Is it cool? I was like, oh yeah, I forgot can about I, it. Can I do that? Okay, Becca, we what? have to answer this one. Sarah sends us something and she sent this again and she's like, I have I have to know this. Sarah asked us, if you could spend 24 hours with your clone, what would you do? And more importantly, would you have sex with it? I was about to say, before she asked that, have sex with myself the entire time. The whole time. My clone? What else? The, what, what would I do with my clone if we're like the same? Per- this really did get me thinking after what was that show? Did you watch it with um, clone? 
Yeah. Oh my god, it's so good. It's with um, what's his name? Why can't I think? Do of they it? bang? Well, who's the big brother from Clueless? Paul Rudd. It's oh. a TV series <gasps> with Paul Rudd. Did you watch How it? How did I forget? Yes. Oh my god, it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's so fun. It's phenomenal. It. It's it dark so and funny and like disturbing. Like the, the ending was no, not no, not anticlimactic. Yeah, but it got me really thinking about the clone stuff because then yes. I'm like, okay, does my clone have its own personality? Like. That's a huge thing. If it's a literal, if it's literally identical in like every way Like you right now me, sitting next sounds kind of boring. Yeah, I'd be like. I don't even know if I'd really want to have sex with me that much. Because like, wouldn't that be predictable? I'd want to have sex with me out of curiosity as to like what having sex with me is like. But it wouldn't really be like having sex with you because it'd be you having sex with you. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I would just maybe, I would just maybe be like, clone, do your best. <laughs> and then I would just lay there. <laughs> just like tell my clone what to do i have that power over them can i just tell them maybe what to you do just it? ask and whatever clone, they do will be like me if your clone has like the uh awareness to to know that it's well what if your clone its- no what if your clone is like <laughs> jess will you go down on me for two hours i feel like fuck you clone <laughs> i'm the original no and they're like i'm the original bitch <laughs> and then the clone kills me of fuck. course Clone things are very scary. I don't know what else I would like. I guess. What's my clone going to say to me that's interesting that I I haven't already thought of? I would would get high. No, I would get high with my clone because I never know what's going to come out of my high thoughts. Okay. So I'd get high with my clone, maybe get drunk with my clone, maybe get my clone drunk. Oh, that's that's it. I was going to say get your clone high or drunk and see what maybe deep inner thoughts you have. Get your clone wasted. Yeah. And study them. Oh, oh. I would also <laughs> take my clone to like a bar situation and watch my single clone flirt and see what I look like when I'm trying to flirt with someone. Cause I'm, I've always been very curious. Like, what do you, what are you like? What's your uh-huh. energy? Have my clone, watch my clone meet new people. Uh-huh. I would be a full voyeur with my clone. I would full voyeurism, watch my clone do all sorts of things. Am I out of my mind? Or does it feel like there's an earthquake happening right now? For a second, it felt like there was. There was once a time where... (laughs) This is a fun story. Becca and I were recording. It's on camera, isn't it? Yeah, we got to release it. I'll I'll find it and release it. There was a full-blown earthquake that happened in the middle of one of our episodes. Like, to the point of, like, you see the whole room shaking and we're, like, screaming. And one of us, like, runs out. And we took it out because... No, we weren't screaming. We were, like... What's going on? What's going on? It's a. Oh yeah, but then I like I was. We panicking. were like we were like all quiet. We're like, is it an earthquake? And, an earthquake. and it was a <laughs> and it was a big LA earthquake. It was large, and the whole room was like it was crazy shaking. And then I ran into the house, and I was just like, is everyone all right? And I was like freaking out. So we took it out of the episode, yeah. but we'll, we'll release it at some point because our our faces were pure terror. I we were so yeah. scared, so scared. And then the other one hit like two days later and I was at the Dodger stadium when it hit. That shit was oh, crazy. Yeah. Oh no. I was like, Oh, we're going down. It's game over for all of us. Uh, I am getting a lot of questions about, um, the breastfeeding thing. So I'll just say right now, I don't know what I'm going to keep doing right now. I don't have any problem with milk supply. Oh, I don't have anything against, um, tandem breastfeeding when the new baby's born. Uh, but I just don't, if there's one thing I've learned with parenting, you, you're, you're always going to eat your words. So I'm mm-hmm. just with certain things. I'm like, I don't know. I may be into it. I may not. It may yeah. happen. It may, it may not. So I don't really know. We'll just, yeah. we'll just keep trucking until there's an issue. That's the most 
that's the best parenting advice I feel like you can ever give is like, hey, literally, it's always different. And there's <laughs> never a clear answer. No one has all the answers. Don't put expectations on yourself. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm getting also um, a lot of what is our what was our first tattoo, both of our first tattoos. Oh, I think I've talked about it before. Mine was like my little I have a little um, like key lock. What would you call it? A like keyhole? A keyhole? A keyhole? I think so. I guess that's right. A keyhole that before I was even dating him, my boyfriend, I always had blind dates for some reason to formal or prom or like Sadie's. I always thought that was really fun. So I had a blind date and we hung out like the week before with our friends. And then we were like, he was like, why don't we give each other tattoos? Like I've been, I know how to do prison tats. And of course, so me, Aquarius me, I'm like, I'm in love with you. (laughs) And so no one, everyone else backed out and we were the only two who would do it. And so we're like, we're like, this will be funny. Let's get matching tattoos. You get a key, I'll get a keyhole. And we gave them to each other. We were like 16. It was a week before formal. And then like two two years later is when we started dating and we fell in love. But it was like actually like a long time later. And then that was my first love. Actually really cute. And we still have them. When was your first? Um, I have a probably about two two foot by two feet dragon on my back. That was my first. <laughs> Just kidding. I was so confused for a second. I, I thought you like, were. What? I was like, I'm racking my brain. I'm like, Hawaii, Hawaii. I don't remember. I have was a leprechaun <laughs> over my ass crack. It's huge. Um, no, I when and what was your first? I have this peacock feather on the side of my oh, leg. Yeah. It's my least favorite tattoo. Um, there is a Bible verse underneath it because that was the only way that I could convince my parents. Proverbs thirty one. No, it is. I don't even know what it is. Peter. Oh shut up! Anymore. You don't know what it is? No, I don't remember because the only reason this is so dark. See, you this really is like, don't know what it was. No, this is the fucking dark shit. At, like where I'm talking about, like the whole Mexico trip, and I was just like. I was just wasn't being honest and transparent. The only reason I included a Bible verse in this was because I wanted to be able to get it. And I was still living at home. I was 18. And the only way that I could convince my parents that I could get a tattoo was if I associated it. This was the fact that this is the verse you got tattooed. Is it dark? I'm afraid. It's hilarious. Okay. I can't believe this is the tattoo you have on. Because I know why I have the peacock feather associated with it. So we'll see. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. This is the verse you have tattooed on yourself. It's the opposite of me. Elaborate hairstyles, gold jewelry, fine clothes. (laughs) You have turned away from the Lord, my friend. It all started here. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. I remember that. Okay, so this is that's more lovely. That that was what I. That's what I was associating. First half of the verse, not the not the first half. The second half was the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. I remember. I got the peacock feather to remind me. This. Oh my God! I'm so embarrassed. I cannot even believe I'm saying this out loud. I got the peacock feather to remind me that. It's my maybe is the most beautiful bird, but it doesn't really have like it can't really fly. Right. So you don't have to be 
physically a certain way. Okay. It's all about having a quiet, gentle and quiet spirit. And I thought of quiet spirit as a non-anxious spirit because I was in like the throes of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Oh. I like that. I like that part of it a lot. Actually, yeah. I think that's quite beautiful. I, that's it wasn't the adornment that I was thinking about so much, but the fact that that is literally the verse that is on uh-huh. my body. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know what? The irony is thick. You know my what? Friend. I was thinking about getting it covered up. I'm keeping it because I, no, that's called this it. is that this is, is called a transition. And this is actually the only tattoo on me that I don't like really like, and it's my first one. All the other ones I like. I just don't like the artwork. <laughs> I'm trying to see if there's any more. But good now ones. that I, but now that I know that that's the actual verse You're on my body it forever. I'm In fact, you should have it tattooed like across your chest on my chest, a hundred percent. What about last question I want to say as a, someone asked a question about pregnancy sex. And the reason I want to talk about it is because like someone else was talking about yeah, it recently. Yeah, let's talk about it. I don't think there's any, like, I always looked forward to pregnancy sex. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's not any better <laughs> or worse or anything for me. It's like, so, I mean, like the emotions surrounding it are maybe different and I get more yeast infections, which Yeah, sucks. that was the big thing was the yeasties. Oh, do you got it too I got you so pregnant. many yeast infections. Horrible. And I never really had gotten a ton before and I got pregnant and it was like yeast central. Uh-huh. Yeah. Horrible. Terrible. So, and that can sometimes make things painful and uncomfortable and all that mm-hmm. sort of thing. But mm-hmm. other than that, I, I don't think sex is really any better or worse I, for me. I personally was not a fan of having sex when I was pregnant. Um, I really got to have a beautiful relationship with my vibrator when I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. I was very, I was horny for a good chunk of my pregnancy, but I didn't really want to have sex. Really? Yeah. I just didn't like, yeah, even like early on, like before, like when I was still felt fully mobile, I was just kind of like, eh. that was actually the first trimester when I was pregnant with Ruth, at least just cause I had more, way more symptoms with Ruth than this pregnancy. I was way like the first trimester. I was like, please don't touch me. Mm-hmm. This is gross. And you smell weird. <laughs> yeah. There's weird things <laughs> you start to, to note. Like sometimes like certain smells are bothering you or like the chewing bugs me during pregnancy. It's just during pregnancy. Chewing? I will be sitting next to gray and we'll be watching a movie on the couch. And I'm like, do you have a loudspeaker connected to you eating cereal? Like next to my <laughs> ear watching this go away. <laughs> and it happened again this time. And I'm like, that's a great thing about second pregnancy. You're you like, know, you know, this is just pregnancy talking. Mm-hmm, We're good. Mm-hmm. I don't hate you. No, it's just my hormones. All right. The final question. And I saw it and I remember it now. I don't remember what broad asked it. And I have to know this broad wanted to know, have we ever had a sex dream about each other? <laughs> no, I don't even know if you've like ever been in my dreams. That's mean. I'm sorry. Maybe once or twice. I've, I've tried to have sex dreams about her, but <laughs> You're trying to think of me naked before before I go to sleep. sleep, I'm just like, this is going to be the night. I'm trying to think if I've I've ever had anything with you or Evan. I don't think so. I, I'm the older I get, the less I remember my dreams. I Uh, I really don't remember my dreams very often. It's very rare. And when I do remember them, uh, that's a lot of faceless people and a lot of like, a lot of faceless orgies, a lot of faceless orgies and a lot of like Armageddon situations and a lot of teeth falling out. Feel Mm -hmm. the Armageddon situations. Mm -hmm. I also occasionally have extra. Oh, this happened when I was pregnant last time. When I'm pregnant, I get ex dreams. Really, dreams of my exes. Interesting. All the time. Interesting. Are they are they sex dreams or are they? They're usually sexual or romantic. 
Okay. Grayson's nowhere to be seen. <laughs> Grayson's face does not exist. And I wake up and it, it actually fucks me up usually when of I course, wake up. Yeah. Because it's like course. I'm back in love with this person or whatever. Yeah, you're thrown off. You're it's in like a, a Hannah Peter situation. Yeah, it's a pregnancy thing though. Happened the last pregnancy happened this morning and I woke up from my dreams. You had an ex dream. I was like text I, in my dream, I was like texting my ex. And I was waiting for him to text back. And in my dream, I kept checking my phone and checking my phone and checking my phone. And I couldn't wait for him to respond. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It was a very emotionally driven dream, too, you know, where in my dream, I couldn't wait for him to text back. That's that would really that would fuck me. It up. wasn't fun to have. Uh, yeah. I just I don't think I have any. I like never have ever really had many sex dreams in general. I don't think. I, I don't have fun dreams. It's annoying. Then. Yeah. I don't have dreams that I like woke up and I'm like that was a good time. My sex dreams are a couple like that my sex dreams are usually like with someone where i'm like oh what yeah like why that person yeah sometimes just really random i the only like sex dream that i vividly remember ever having is with nick kroll so funny yeah and it wasn't just a sex dream it was a dream where nick kroll and i fell deeply in love with each other and since then when i see him my heart flutters and before wasn't attracted to nick kroll and now when i see him i'm always like oh my god i feel like we're in love with each other and i feel like i have this weird connection with him and i've never met him that's so funny <laughs> mm-hmm. i've definitely felt that too though we have a connection anyway we could just rattle on <laughs> forever so let's wrap this up let's thank wrap you guys this up thank you broads for tuning in thanks for tuning in hopefully you learned a little more about some of our backgrounds <laughs> and some weird things about us um we'll have a q a here coming up soon that has all sorts of questions um from you maybe some uh fun questions where we can give recommendations to things also if you have any fun topics topic ideas email us at ask the broads at gmail.com or dm us on chatty broads please do love you broads and uh chat soon chat soon bye bye